Boxcaster online. Authorization accepted. Upload confirmed. Begin transmission. Gayhet had once remarked to Grammaticus that the Emperor was the only human who would ever have made a viable addition to the Cabal's inner circle. He sees the long picture of it, Gayhet has said. He understands the vast, slow cycle and its content to allow it to run its course. He appreciates the epochal dynamic of the true and thorough change. Have you ever met him? Grammaticus had asked. No, John, I haven't. Then you have no idea... What a bloodthirsty bastard he really is. Gayhet had smiled. That's as may be. But he understands that the primordial annihilator is the true enemy of everything. So perhaps we need a bloodthirsty bastard on our side. And that was an excerpt of Legion by Dan Abnett, the seventh book in the Horus Heresy series, and that snippet was read to you by our very own Greg Dan. Hello. Thank you, Mr. David Wojtek. Thank you. And we are here after Eleanor is back, and only a month after the last episode, I think this might be a record. <laughs> We're doing well. <laughs> Legion, Dan Abnett's second book in the series. Oh, yes. boy. I got a lot to say about this book. I'm just saying it right now. I mean, we have a lot to say about every book, but I got a lot to say other than going through the book. So, Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. I was going to say, what? No, no, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it first time around. I loved it second time around. I loved it the first time around. I, I, I had a real rough time starting it the second time around, but we get into that in a minute because, as always, we've got to start with the cover. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, the whole book is, I mean, I think it shocked a few people that the whole book rarely shows much of the Alpha Legion. Um, but Do you ever see much of the Alpha Legion? But this is it. That is the nature of the Alpha Legion. But I think some people wanted more Alpha Legion and less, like, you know, this is very much the, 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 the story of the um, Geno 5-2. Um, but you've got one legionary there in the, as he's walking down the parade of all the all the soldiers ranked up alongside of him. And it's like, yep, yeah, that's just that one Alpha Legion. And no one knows which one it is. And, yeah, it's awesome. Okay. The Cossack uniforms, for lack of a better term. And if you're a historical player and I've got the wrong time or race, I, I apologize. Um. Okay, second time through reading this, I still can't picture. I still can't picture bronzy and people wearing this stuff. I'm sorry. Do you know what the brilliant thing is, Dave? Huh? Last episode, I said that I kept thinking that Michael was black, and that was without a picture to look at. Okay, For, but <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. I actually got a picture, and 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 I'm not going to have a go at you for not being able to because I understand. But they're in the desert. This looks, I mean, come on. They're out in the desert. They're running around with big guns in the de- I'm sorry. You know what I'm picturing? You know exactly what I'm picturing, don't you? 
No, what are you picturing? I'm picturing those freaking Catechin models or Catechan models, whatever you call. They're in camouflage pants, green tank tops, headbands, and guns. Okay. There are are two things. One, they're geno-enhanced. So, you know, not to the extent of Space Marines, but they've been bred, so they might be able to put up with it. But B, this is obviously a ceremonial occasion. Right. So this might be their ceremonial get up and they might not have to wear all of that when going in to proper war as it were they might do they might not i just pictured them in like desert camouflage and stuff like that i mean this just doesn't seem the type of thing you'd go to war in and maybe you're right this is this is the british um colonial forces at their height you know going out and conquering the world they didn't wear camouflage they walked forwards in their red tops yeah, and we hid in the bushes dressed in whatever we want and shot the crap out of them. That's why we're the United States of America, that little rebellion, because we cheated. Everyone, every, yeah, everyone else obeyed the rules. But that, <laughs> that, that, that reminds me of that, you know. These guys are in their, their formal dress wear, and they're just going to go and, and win anyway. Yeah, I was just so funny, because actually reading some of the descriptions of what they're wearing, there's times they're wearing this stuff with the cape and stuff like that, and I'm just like, you're describing it to me, and I'm still not, it's just, not staying. I'm sorry. I don't picture him that way. I picture Bronzy in a green tank top with camouflage pants and big old arms holding a large weapon. It's just that's me. Maybe a tattoo on his shoulder says "Mom" or whatever, you know, or, or "Sept." I mean, because you know, whatever. But that's just that's just me. Me personally, I do like the picture. I just, I just, I got a very different image in my head from from the picture on the cover. So now I want to stop, but normally we jump into the book, uh, you know, the dramatis personae where they always take the Shakespearean thing for, you know, who's in the book. Yeah. I, I love when they get to, you know, they got Alpharius, the Primarch, and then they list, list the other guys. Dude, even in the list of who's who, there's lies going on here. There's lies upon lies. It's, it's. I mean, it's a. I mean, I mean, it's secrets and lies is the subtitle of the book, you know, and that's the theme going through here. Who can you trust? Why should you trust them? But I just thought it was great when they just, you know, they're yeah. I mean, but they do title Omegon as the Lord, um, as the Effort Stealth Squad leader, a number of times. So it's not to say it's necessarily a complete lie, just not the whole truth. Secrets and lies. You know, if you're not telling the whole truth, you're at least partially telling a lie. You paint it how you want to paint it. That's Tell what it is. Question. <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah the, and, and as we see through the whole book, um, Dan Abnett took this to like, kind of the zenith of secrets and lies, really. And that's why I liked that you're not seeing Alpha Legion in it that much? Yeah, it, absolutely. It has to It has to work that way. The book he's written wouldn't work if you saw them more than you did. Cause the, the amount of manipulation going on is almost all I see from them. And it yeah. gives me a complete view of what they're supposed to be. Yeah, big time. So, I did like that. Uh, what else? Oh, can I? Uh, there was one other topic I wanted to hit before we get into the book. And this is because now part of it is, you know, now that I'm back to work, I'm reading books for work for my makeup lit class. Because apparently when you fail lit and have to take it again, you have to be taught different books. You know. Makes sense, yep. Yeah. So 
you know, you can't teach them the same book, even though they didn't read that the first darn time. But whatever. So now I got to do all these other books. And I'm trying to get caught up with fantasy because, as everybody who listens to this knows, we have the fantasy cast. I got to read all that Nagash stuff. I'm trying to read the Gotrek Gurnison saga finale. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I stopped. I mean, I'm only on like book 18 or 19. Once we get caught up to there in about a year and a half, everything I'm reading is going to be first time reading it because yep. I just don't have time to read it if I know I'm going to read it again later. Sure. Um, I know in the, I think, I don't know if I said it on the last episode or a couple episodes back, I planned on reading like seven through 10 over summer vacation. And I just finished seven last week. Like I totally failed on my, my uh, reading goal. Um, but can I, can I, I want to, I want to explain why. And I don't know if anyone else is having this issue. And this is kind of what I want to bring. I don't want to, I don't know what you think, Greg, um, right. but I know I was talking with my buddy Roder and he kind of agreed with me on this is, as I'm reading it a second time, um, it's, uh, okay, I do love these books. Everybody who listens to this show knows it. But sure. I'm not a person who's into the game as much. I'm not into reading all the codices and stuff like that. So I don't know. If you say, you know, 15th Legion, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Um, Dan Abnett is a master of throwing you in media race, just throwing you in the middle of things. The first book was a great example of that. Reading that, I was confused as hell. Yeah. What do you mean he killed what? So in here, they're throwing me right in the middle of it, too. And a lot of the books tend to do this, kind of throw you in the middle or name things in that sort of, you know, other way than naming them that all the fanboys who read everything totally get. I don't. And... On the second time around, even sometimes it gets frustrating for me, and I'm just saying. And this is just as a guy who's reading the books to read the books, because I love the books. Um, this one, I mean, I I started. I read the first twenty pages like eight or nine times in the summer because I'd get, I'd be like, I don't know what's going on. I'd put the book down to stop, and then when I came back, I'm like, I don't know what happened. I need to try it again, like all the descriptions, all the terminology of the different places or the different. Uh, ranks in their little, in the genos, you know, the Chiliad. Um, like, I just, I wasn't getting it, and this was the first time I found it frustrating to the point where I was getting annoyed. And maybe right. maybe I'm the only one, and I'm not knocking on Dan Abnett, because I liked this book a lot. In fact, once we got past, once the first, once Bronzy got grabbed by the neck and thrown up against the wall or was taking a leak and the guy was talking to him, yeah. And he's calling him a liar. And so I'm like, okay, this is interesting. It got really good. I mean, I, it basically, I was really hung up on the first 20 pages, and it got good on, like, page 28. So I guess I wasted my time. But, am I, I mean, do you ever feel that way? Like, sometimes they just sort of... Um, every now and then I have to look up a legion because I forget which one's the 18th or whatever. Um, I mean, maybe I'd... I'm overly sensitive to it because this I, isn't I... my thing. Um, with regards to like the the ranks for the Gino Chiliad and all that, to be honest, if I don't kind of fully get it, sometimes I just let it wash over my head because um, I'm like like watching a film where you're thrown in the middle. I just trust that it will be clear as we go through, and whether that's just an expand an expansion of an ex, you know of um, of kind of how the, they're organised or, or something like that. I tend to just think, right, okay, let's not get too worked up on that. You know, just... 
one, and I'm sure we'll find out exactly what a het a hetman is supposed to be or, or whatever um, may be. You know, um, don't always I don't always get you know when they're talking about a bit of equipment. Maybe I don't always visualise it straight away until it's maybe used later on, and then it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yes, that's fine. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably just me. Maybe it's maybe. Maybe I was is, overly sensitive to it because it was the second time I was reading it. It's like I already read this, so I, still, so I hmm. should know it, but it's been a while, and I kind of forgot. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm still not getting it, and I already read it, and I just I, I got me hung up on it until I got past it, and it took me a while to get past it. Right, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, there's always going to be a lot of strange words. Um, 40K particularly likes its words that sound gothic. So <laughs> there are... And Dan's a, Dan particularly is a classic for, you know, he came up with a lot of the words that are now, you know, stamped on 40K. But, um, yeah, I, every now and then I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure I get that. And, or or I don't realize that I got it wrong until I'm later on in the book and then something's happened. <laughs> All right. So then it, it could very well just be me. I, I get it now. I mean, and that's cool. Yeah. I, just... I mean, I know that I'm happy with there are so many guys at this place and you know bronzy who had this you know was this position in the thing and so and so had this position in the thing and i'm like i don't really need to know the ins and outs and then later on you find out okay so here's the structure a bit more of the structure of how it works all right well like i said that was just that was just mine so um i do like all the little quotes that he throws in the in the beginning here you got a little bit of shakespeare Shakespeare, you know, because, you know. Lots of Shakespeare. Uh, and Antique proverb, the chronicler. And <laughs> War is simply the galaxy's hygiene for Alpharius. Yeah, yeah, pragmatic. And, uh, you know, I like, I like Bronzy's little intro here where they're just, you know, <laughs> he's just talking to them. Yeah, you know what are you gonna do? And and I think this, if I'm correct, at the end when they got him captured and he says, "Tell us everything because you want everything." Okay, dot dot dot, and then it cuts away. I'm just assuming this is where. Yeah, this is be. this is was, part of what was going on there. Just trying to picture exactly where it would fit in, but yeah. Well, because he does say, "I want the whole truth," and Bronzy says, "I'm okay," and then it cut dot dot dot, and it never goes till they come back to him later. Yeah. But this is a nice way to open it. Just have this guy caught as a prisoner and then telling him, you know, this is, I, I, I don't know. I, he, I remember on your episode of, uh, um, ugh, I'm sorry, why am I blanking? Imperial Truth. Imperial Truth. You guys took your top, what was top five non-Astartes characters or something like that yeah. from the books. And you picked Grammaticus, which I, which I like. And as I'm reading this, I was thinking about, oh, yeah, Grammaticus was so cool, but... I just I love Bronzy. I just he is such. I mean, this is every you know you know old time long beard veteran of the wars. I mean, he's kind of every stereotype, but I think that's why I like him because you just slip right into him so well. Yeah, I forgot how good they were. To be honest, those um uh, the Gino characters. Yeah, so I just I loved him, but I suppose we ought to jump right into part one, Reptile Summer. Now, um, the other thing I noticed is a lot of the books have two, three, four parts. This one only has two parts, and it's the first 300 pages, and then 
part two is like the last hundred, which is kind of a weird break. And then the last hundred comes so fast and furious. I thought it was just a strange way to divide it. It was like the first 300 pages is all build up, basically. Yeah. For this one last big smash scene. There was a lot of build up. I mean, three quarters of the book is build up. Yeah, but there were a lot of little smash scenes. Oh, I'm not complaining. So it's yeah, it feels right to me um, in in reflection. But I, yeah, I remember thinking that's a strange breakup of of the book. Yeah, but he really starts to knock over the skittles in that second part. Yep. So okay, so we're starting. We're we're uh, we are backpedaling in time. We are two years before the heresy. Yeah. Uh, and so we're meeting all the characters. We got Bronzy. We is it Pedo? Um, Pedo, yeah. Pedo's uh, Sonica. I, I'm assuming it's Sonica. I don't know how you're pronouncing it. We always we should discuss this stuff beforehand, I suppose. Seneca, Sonica, Seneca. Yeah, uh, and he's interrogating this Nerthine guy, and uh, it kind of cracks me up. You know, they're trying to take this place, Telutan. They've been trying to take it for eight months. Uh, yep. He's interrogating him, and all the guy will tell him that is that he, you know, you are carnal with your mother, and all these things. <laughs> um, I like, I, I do like a bit of the history on the Geno Five too. Yeah, no, he's brilliant. Uh, they've been around since the Unification Wars, which yeah. is just right there. You're like, wait, what? And that that comes up later, but um, you know the fact that. The emperor kept them because he he basically you know they were one of the few people that were allowed to stay together as a unit after that. Um, but then some of the discussion that comes up later about, of course, the emperor would like him. He kind of stole the whole idea of things from their idea of this this gene enhanced group. Um, yeah, there's a potential that that their gene forging might have might have led into the Astartes project, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right, and I do think it's kind of cool. Just they harvest all the eggs and the stuff from the from the from these slightly mildly psychic females. All yeah. their and so they just basically make all these gene enhanced children, and they're psychically connected to them, which is sort of a cool way they run things. And I didn't realize that connection until later in the book when they're actually fighting and they can see what's going on. Yeah, with, they, with them. Yeah. The, that connection is just kind of cool. Also interesting, though, that none of them are their leaders. The Hetmen, like Bronzy, Sonic, those guys are all brought in from outside. Yeah. So you got these these women uh, that have this sept, this perception, whatever you want to call it, um, and they're they're with the rank and file. They're, they're I mean, there's a genetic bond. There's, you know they're. The, the, you know, the, it's from their eggs. That's their they're the mothers of all the all the soldiers. But then they bring in the leaders from the outside. Did you find that a little? I mean, I was. Did they explain why that was? Did I miss that, or they just don't make good leaders or something? No, I was looking through it, and um, maybe it's a link of them all being similar. Okay, uh, I don't know. That's that's just something that if they're all coming from the same way, maybe it's just a, a tradition thing. I mean, there's a lot of tradition and um kind of uh, prestige in that in what they do is what they do right which which is one of the reasons why they're still around but, um 
yeah, so I was just, as you were talking, trying to flick through, but I can't really remember them saying anything specific about it. Yeah, and I know it comes up later as some of the some of the description, which is why because in my notes it's not here yet, and I know they wrote I wrote something about it. So, um, so Sonica is in charge of the dancers. They're trying to get to the command post before nightfall because at night the Nerthine come out, and apparently the Nerthine are just freaking psychotic. Now they're humanoid. Yep. You know. Um, well, yeah. There's links back to. Yeah, I mean they are they're one of the people that we lost in that with the Dark Knight or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're but part of have, yeah, but we have seen during the uh, interrogation that it wasn't. There was something a bit strange about the way he, uh, the way the Nerthun, uh talked. Yeah, there was a little sparkle of something may not be completely right there, which is great because we need somebody to fight against, and we need a good reason to fight against them. Other than they just don't want to, you know, because it's they actually mentioned how these how the a lot of these uh, the leaders the the um, the females they feel bad whenever they got to go and they come in for and they find a planet of lost humans who don't want to rejoin and they have to get wiped out. Yeah. So, so we got this Geno fight. Oh, Lord Commander Namajira, which in all my notes I just kept calling him Big N because his name got too long to write. Pretty much. So if I keep calling him Big N, forgive me. I know it sounds childish, but whatever uh, for him. Yeah, I might have just called him N. Yeah, he's getting pissy. Tang, Tang, Namajira. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he's, he's not happy. Eight months. Dude, that's a long time. That is, yes. To to bring a to bring a planet into compliance or to just stop I mean I mean we keep reading where and now granted, this is the Imperial Army. These are not the Space Marines here. But just see the Space Marines coming in and taking a planet down in a month, you know, and so eight months with the with the full might of the Imperial Army, which has at least a half a dozen Titans. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, as as it would do, yeah, a proper Imperial Crusade fleet. Um, and also the uh, the new Thern ha- haven't got a, a massive level of technology. No, although they is, have magic of some sort. Yeah, and but, the stuff that happens there is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So he's trying to get back before night, and then it jumps over to Bronzy, who was part of the Jokers, and he goes to see Uxor. That's the term, the Uxors. Uh He goes to see Honan Moo. Uh, and she's talking with her aides to this really big guy, and he's looking at him, trying to hear what's going on, trying to pay attention where he's not supposed to pay attention. Of course, as soon as he describes how large he is, and they're already Gene Hans, they're like, ooh, Astartes. Yeah, big time. Yeah, we, that's the immediate thing, because um, the, the Gene Hans guys aren't small. Yeah. And, and yet the specialist looks huge. And I like how she stops. What are you doing? I'm going for water. And she's like, uh, you already had your ration today. He's like, well, you know, I was out. He's holding his gut in. And she's like, oh, does that hurt? What? You know, it's like he's, you know, he's standing around the ladies. He's, you know, in his 60s. He's getting a little thick around the belly. So he's holding his gut in for the ladies. I just, I found this very appealing as just as a way to, you know, relate. Oh, yeah. With, I- with, with all the Astarte stuff, it's nice to see some real just human, regular, everyday human interaction. Yeah. Yeah, and it just shows um, for the Uxor that she's all right. And also that Bronzy, I mean, he's irreverent, he's humorous, he's clever. 
He's like this little, little first little scene of him, and it's you get a very clear picture of what he's like. Oh yeah, and it's helped by you know tapping into a few um, few stereotypes as well. But he's he, yeah, he's that guy in the film that yeah he's the Joker, but you know at the end that he's going to be the bloke everyone relies on, it's going to pull through and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, I like she asked him, isn't there isn't there a mandatory fitness requirement? And then someone of her age says, uh, or a weight threshold, you know, and there's stuff like, I mean, they're totally teasing. What I really like is when he finally goes, "Are the?" and this is where you know, this is where you get know everything you need to know about Bronzy. Are the dancers in yet? They should be in by now. He owes me a wager. No, yeah. they're not in yet. Oh, I want to go take a team out. No, it's going to be dark soon. That's why I want to get out there. No. And then she says, are we clear on that? No clever or ingenious misinterpretations of that order forming in your mind this time? He shook his head as if there better not be. Good night, Hetman. Good night, Uxor. So she, you can already tell he misinterprets instructions regularly when he doesn't like them. And she makes sure it's very freaking clear. She said no. And then what does he do? He walks in. Yeah, get a 4A team and be ready in 10 minutes. Is this sanctioned? Absolutely. She told me personally she doesn't want some fug-fingered ramble blundering around out there. So have the boys get ready and we're going. It's just, yeah. it's just make, sure it's sharp. make sure it's sharp and not fug-fingered and ramble blundering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just... Yeah, he, yeah he, he's got his idea. He's like, no, I'm not leaving my, my mates out there. Um, we'll work our way around. Right. And so then he goes to take a leak and you'll stay put tonight. He gets this voice, and he's like, actually, I think I'm going to finish what I'm doing because he's peeing. And uh, he turns around, and there's that specialist, which is obviously the Sestartes. Yeah, I mean, you get the good thing about them being the, 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 the Gino Chiliad is they're not intimidated by the pure physical size of the Astartes because they're bigger than normal humans. Which so at you- first I was confused until I went back and realized, oh, wait. They're bigger, too. Because, yeah, everybody else is like, oh, Astartes, please don't poke our eyes out or hurt us. Yeah, so his his initial reaction is, like, annoyance. And it's not until that, you know, that he gets put in his place that he's actually like, oh, crap. Because he really does. I mean, there's a part. Is that a threat? Does someone like me need to threaten someone like you? And he looks at him, come on, if you want some. Like, just, like, I'll take you on. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, and then, you know, and then they get the, some some little potty jokes going in here, uh, and then Bronzy just looks at him. I could mess you up, son. I really could. You could try. I mean, this is awesome. But then he goes, "Tell me your name." I'm Alfarius, and he looks at him. You liar. <laughs> and then everything goes to the wall. Yeah, and then everything starts exploding, and that's when you go out there, and it cuts back to the. Uh, to the group, and Sonica and the dancers are under attack. This air magic is cool. It almost looks like hail's coming down, but when it lands, it blows up. Yeah. And where's the... Uh... Yeah, the Falks was astonishingly proficient and barbarous weapon. I like their, their weapon, the two-and-a-half-meter hybrid spear and scythe straightened yeah. out. It's really cool. Um... Oh, and it's just cutting through everything. These guys are vicious. Yeah, and and uh, they they don't take any any kind of issues. But as soon as you can see, I mean, they're bringing out the liquid nitrogen. They're like, these things are dangerous, right? We've worked out how to deal with them. 
We're yeah. going to smash all their weapons because they are really not not one. You know, you can't be messing around with these guys. They're cutting through the armor, through the person, through everything. These things are stupid sharp, and they're taking things down. And they're getting slaughtered. This air magic stuff, the hail's coming down, and it's just burning, blowing up. Like, they're, you know, they're burning the sky around them. They're getting slaughtered everywhere. Sonica's looking around. His ears are ringing. People are trying to grab him, get him out of the trouble. He can't even hear what's going on. Suddenly, the Astartes show up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and it, it's basically what you expect. Half a dozen Astartes show up and turn the entire tide of battle. No more guys on our side die at that point. Everybody on their side starts dying at that point. Um, Bolter rounds turning people into pink mist. I mean, the typical what you're used to from the Astartes coming. Yeah, and we've got these, um, these, non, the, the, these troops that are not just Imperial Army troops. You know, they're better than that. And right. they're all like, whoa, they're Astartes. Yep. Oh, my God, what have they done? <laughs> it's like, yep, that just shows you how awesome Astartes are. Exactly. And these Gene Hans guys are getting just wiped out. And that also shows you how tough the Nerthine are because they're taking, you know, step up from normal humans and when, when they can get a surprise attack in, you're in a world of trouble. Yeah. But... While this is all happening, as the battle ends, they look out and tell Utan, which is the city they're trying to take, that they've been having trouble taking, and they've been fighting this battle on this planet for eight months. They look out, and the city's on fire. Yeah, it's a strange one. Yeah. So whatever was going on here, something else is going on to tell Utan, and that place is on fire. Um. And then you get the really cool part where after that battle happens, you get to where the specialist is talking to Honan Mu and says, and he says to her, the emperor protects. Yeah. Okay. Was this a common phrase or are we back to the whole, the, um, no, look, look, look how everyone reacted when the emperor protects was said by the saint, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah, that is that is the standard response to the emperor protects. Okay, it's not something. And they, well, the emperor doesn't. How does the emperor protect? It's just a bloke, right? Know. Okay, so it's so is this part of the Levitico then? Still, do you think, or has that even started passing around yet? It's still two years before the heresy. Um, That's where I was confused. and I wasn't certain. Yeah, uh, the events of. Um, I mean, I guess the question is: Do they think the emperor is a god? Well, we don't know. But, uh, well, yeah, of course we don't want to tell religion. Yeah, yeah, well, no, but that line seems to suggest that they have um, followed the influence of the uh, Lectitio Divinatus. Yeah, I mean, because it's all in italics and everything. There's two things I want to say. The Emperor Protects is one of them. I'm like, oh, that's... Yeah. Oh. If, if it wasn't meant to be looked at, it wouldn't be in italics. Um, yeah, the only link we've got to that line, the Emperor Protects, is the Lectitio uh, Divinitatus. So that seems to suggest whoever this specialist is. That oh, he's Alpharius. He said so. Exactly. They are either <laughs> just familiar with and using it to their own advantage, or they believe in it. Now, we don't know that, but we do know that they're aware of it. Well, that's great. They either believe in it or they don't. I mean, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Page five, and you're all you know. You're questioning everything that comes out of the mouth 
of this, you know, this specialist who is the Primarch allegedly of the Alpha Legion. And this just does not let up through the whole book. No, it doesn't. It's 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 flipping brilliant, actually. I mean, it just never stops. And in fact, when you get to the Imperial, when when Sonica and Bronzy, who have two very different takes on service with Alpha Legion, yeah, um, these whole arguments keep coming up about whether this is right or wrong. And I like it because it reminds you of a lot of the parallels of the arguments within the Morneval. This idea of right and wrong and keeping secrets and the and the the lodges and all of this stuff. It's a very similar parallel. You know, where are you going with this? Is this harmless? Is this something we should be engaging in? So I did I did like it. Yeah. Um and Bronzy's pretty good because he freaking gets a gun. He pulls a gun on the Astartes. On the specialist. And he my compliments. That was a genuine feat of stealth. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, what I, this was. I mean, this was great. And this is where you get that actual a bit of fear back with the Astartes. I loved reading this part. You know, does that have to be aimed at me? I don't know. I feel a lot comfortable like this. I want some answers. Gunpoint will simply get you killed, Head. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the dancers got cut to ribbons. Is that part of your plan? Yes. You admit it. You used my friends as cannon fodder. No. I used them as bait. Yeah. Uh, so we see the first point now that we see the Alpha Legion are not above doing whatever they need to do to get the job done. Yeah. And then you get the top of 35. And he, this actually, this is the first time he, you hear it. And it, it's another thing that you can sum up the book. Don't look so shocked. Life is all about secrets, and I'm prepared to share one with you. Honesty is the only really valuable currency. I'll tell you this truth on the understanding that you can trust me. I can do that, said Bronzy. The Nerthine are quite toxic in their power. No conventional salt's going to break them. They're possessed by chaos. And he goes on to tell them about that. And, uh, you know, I did ask my men to spare and protect as many dancers as possible. That's honest, I suppose. Brutal and callous. We live in a brutal, callous galaxy. I mean, it's just going back and forth, and he lowers that weapon about a half an inch, and next thing you know, his head's banging against the wall, and he's being held by his neck. Never point a gun at me again. You know, I won't. Good. Are you really Alfarious? What do you think? Uh, never a straight, flippant answer. No. No. Um, really interesting part for me was they are possessed by chaos. Because we've had some different takes on what are these creatures that we're fighting that we've never seen before. You know, we know there is stuff in the, when we travel through the warp, but what is it? But we've got the uh, Alpha Legion coming out here and saying they are possessed by chaos. But later they also say it's just another Xenos form. Yeah. But they know it as chaos. Exactly. Where do they get this? It's. I keep reminding myself it's two years before the heresy. It is two years before that first trilogy. And the so, word possessed as well. Exactly. Interesting word. So that, that that's a bit interesting. We, we get told in, in other books that no one really knows about chaos. Um, you know, we get maybe some conflicting bits in here, but not enough to make any real judgments on. I do like that when Sonica wakes up, and he's still alive. 
And how many do we lose? Too many. And there's three Astartes there. And they're like, we regret, you know, their loss. War requires sacrifice. A victory's been achieved, but we take no pleasure. They they, they took the time to stop and say sorry to this guy. Which, yeah. I don't know if they're thinking about recruiting him later or what's going on because they didn't seem to be. I, I mean, you, everything they do, I question their motives at this point. Yeah. You, you would think that they may have spotted something in him. I want to see how he reacts to the knowledge of what has actually happened. Yeah. And because they go in and they thank him for his sacrifice and they apologize for the losses. Um, but later, I mean, you know, I mean, the, you see over and over again, you know, that these necessary losses mean nothing to them or seem to mean nothing to them. Yeah. Maybe they do mean something to them. You know, maybe they actually do care, but they got to show like, hey, listen, yes, we care, but what are you going to do? I think for me, my first thought was what is Sonica's reaction to telling him that you had acceptable losses to make us do our thing? Because if he reacts badly to that, he's never going to make an operative. Right. If he can accept that fact, no matter how begrudgingly or whatever, then that, then they could potentially use him. Yeah. But, yeah, you can't either way. And then we get the first proper, uh, do you have names? I am Alpharius, said the first. You know, Sonica inhaled hard, blah, 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 blah. I am Alpharius, said the second figure. We are all Alpharius, said the third. We are Alpha Legion, and we are all one. See, and this I thought was really cool, but in the beginning confused me, because everyone's saying, well, he's big. But then he comes and says, I'm Alpharius. And he's like, you're a liar. And I'm thinking... Dude, the Primarchs are way flipping bigger than the Astartes. I mean, they are, they are to Astartes as Astartes are to us. I was under the impression, or I have been for the last six books. So how do you confuse a regular line of Astartes with Alpharius? And as we were talking about this, one of the things you had mentioned is... Um, one of the things you had mentioned is, well, they're twins, and they were both in that same tank. Well, we see it later on when they're actually in the caves and uh, Grammaticus works out who's who. And he's like, I thought you were all the same size, but you're an inch or two bigger than those regular ones. And then you're the same size as him. So they are a little bit bigger, but not enough that you can immediately turn around and identify them as Primarchs. Yes, because of probably because of the nature of them being twins and in the one capsule then they have not developed to the same physical stature as, as the other Primarchs. Okay. That, okay, so it took me a minute, and then it was like, okay, yeah, that, that does make sense. Um, also, I'm curious, do the other Primarchs know that they're twins? Uh, they don't seem to, at least no. from what I've read in the book. And I, no. I know we're jumping ahead in the book, Just but... where we are. Um, essentially, no. Okay. God, that's this legion. Okay, and I know every time I read about a different legion, you know, you want to go out and start buying an army and painting them. Even though I don't play, I just want to paint them up. Um, I really like this. I mean, they're they're so cool. Uh, you know, like the, yeah. the stuff going on here is just so interesting. My friend Luke uh, has just read this book and gone out and bought a load of Alpha Legion thirty k stuff. <laughs> And so, yeah, and okay, and I know this is the type of stuff that makes people roll their eyes, but I still don't really. I mean, I, I'm confused as to whether or not they're traitors, and I don't know if anybody else is confused or if. At the end of the book, you mean? 
Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll handle that when we get there. Or even what a- they do, but I mean, even after this book, I mean, I don't know when you read their, if you read the fluff or anything that shows up in the, in the, in like the 40K army books or when you go to the Wikipedia where it lists who's oh. traitor legions and who's um, loyalists, like, I, I, uh, I, I mean, we're talking about heresy. 40K is 10,000 years hence. So a lot changes in, in 10,000 years. Um, so what does the 40K say about him, if I may ask? Just because uh, I. They're listed as traitor legions. Okay. Um, but, you know, that's a long journey, and... and... Do we really know that, or are they still doing that stupid... We're do, you know, I, I, forget it. Let's just move along, I guess. Remember, I haven't read the 40K books recently oh. uh, that handle all that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll crack on with, uh, with what we're doing here. All right, so we jump into Chapter 2, which is that someplace Visages? Is that what... Is... Yep, sounds it, good. Uh, it's about five weeks later, and the dancers are resting and recouping, the ones that are left. And I love this bizarro game they play. With the finding, there's all these carved heads all over this place. Like, they don't know it, what it's for. It does sound to me very much like some old British colonels um, off in their med, you know, recuperating, ordering their troops around. Um, it does sound like the kind of thing that would have happened. Okay. And so he's there with the dancers, and Shaban is there with the clowns. Yeah. Uh, and they're both recouping, and they have this game that they've invented where you can bring the head, uh, but if you get a head that's just smaller than the biggest head, you can get rid of the biggest head. So they're really it's, it's a game of subtlety. It's a bizarre little game they've invented here. Um, when you bring a head that you can move to the line, the... the, the uh, Soldier that finds one gets a glass of uh, a, a cup of wine. So yeah. everyone's kind of sit around drinking in the sun, playing this bizarro head game with these yeah. things. Get boring otherwise, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, now I like this. Shaban was hurt, um, and he had to leave the command of the clowns to fucking Strabo. <laughs> yeah. And this becomes like a running joke through the whole book. And it's another one of these little bits that Dan Abnett throws in there that cracks me up. Everybody calls Strabo fugging Strabo. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it's like, you, you know, you, you leave, com- you know, nobody likes to leave their command. Nobody likes to leave it in charge of somebody else. And so if anything is not the way they like it, it's because of fugging Strabo. <laughs> just, I don't know, to me, it cracks me up. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the fact that you're also leaving it in the hands of fucking Strabo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Everyone knows he's competent, but they also know that he, you know, he's a bit of a pain, or, or yeah. things occur around him. But um, I think all this, um, I've written it down at various points. It all grounds the book in a reality. These are all the little bits that make you think. Yeah. Yeah. That could be out in Iraq somewhere, you could have, a, there's a fucking Strabo wandering around somewhere, you know. Yes, and, oh, and for anyone who's listening, in case you're listening with your children, it's fugging, F-U-G-G-I-N-G, because you got to have bad words if you're in the army, but you can't say them in the book, just like frack on um, Battlestar Galactica. So, in case it sounds weird when it's coming through, I'm just throwing that out there. We're not breaking that, the explicit rules. Another one that I've made up. But yeah, so um, I know he... I know Dan, well, I'm pretty sure I've heard that Dan talked to a few vets before writing this book. Oh, yeah. 
I don't know if those ideas, you know, were drawn out of them or, or, or how they came about, but it's certainly all those bits do ground the book in a reality. Yeah. And I love I love the other little bits where he screams for education, where the, the heads are so close. Yes. And you got the munitorium aide who's described as the put upon munitorium aide. He's like, really? I'm kind of working here. Listen, we need somebody to measure the heads. It's that First World War, you know, you, you call upon your Batman who used to be your butler. You know, yeah. come, up, come out here and judge these. Uh, and then when Bronzy shows up, they explain all the rules to him, and he bets against Sonica, who's his friend. He's like, eh, pfft, screw you, I'm betting against you. I mean, total, I mean, this is typical good friends, guys who know each other, tough guys all doing their thing. I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, of course, Sonica wins, and then he wants to know why Bronzy's there. And Bron- oh, can't I just come and visit a friend? Uh, no, I actually know you too good uh, or too well. Uh, but then they get interrupted because the Munitorium aide comes out and Sonica's got to identify a dead dancer. They found another one. Yes. Uh, and so he goes out and he goes, uh, this isn't one of mine. I don't, this is, uh, well, he's got all the tags and the marks of a dancer. So I don't care what you're saying at this point in time. I know my men. This isn't one of them. Um, he has no heart. And lots of modifications, and then they see the little weird snake-slash-serpent tattoo. Yeah, uh, and this is the first kind of change of direction. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this isn't all going well, is it? Yeah, so now some, now we get something interesting here, something, all right, there's spies here. Um, when Bronzy and Sonica finally get to talk, I like, I, you know, I didn't abandon you. And that's what he wanted to tell them, you know. I wanted to come out and get you. They stopped me. I know we were bait. And then they're, they're all Alfarious. So they, they, well, they have this discussion. They all say they're Alfarious. They know they can't really trust them 100%. So um, they've got this body, and they go to contact Honan Mu. They want it airlifted out and examined. If they've been infiltrated, you know, this is bad. And so... Um, they contact her through they go you know they go through the encrypted channels. They want to make sure this is on the down low because if there are spies, I mean this, this makes sense. The fewer people know a secret, the less people you have to kill later. Yeah. You know, um, because if if their spies are this good, you got to keep with as few people as possible. In fact, when she asks who knows about this, Bronzy doesn't mention that Sonica knows. No, he's, he's sharp, isn't he? Yeah. He's, you know, it's the redundancy of, you know, I'm 99% sure that this is all fine, but just for that 1%, we'll keep an ace up our sleeve. Yeah. Yeah, he's, a, you know, you're staying here. Why? Because anyone who knows is going back, you're staying here. Why? Because if this was intercepted and they kill me, somebody still knows what's going on. Uh, he's, he, uh, he, you got to be my joker. you got to be my ace in the hole. Because uh, if this is already snafu'd, you are what you got to be. So I'll take Dimi Shaban with us, because I think he can be trusted and he's good in a fight. Yeah. So you, you could already see. I mean, Bronzy's smart. I mean, you don't you don't live this long as as a as a het as a leader. You know, in the Imperial Army. I mean, you know, I just I always picture the average lifespan of an Imperial soldier as about twelve minutes. Yeah, pretty much. 
you know, I mean, you talk about the billions and millions that go to all these planets and die. A guy who survives 60 years seems very much like the exception and not the rule. Um, yeah, a, a little bit better maybe in the um, in the Great Crusade era, but but still. Yeah, well, still, they're not at all getting eaten by tyranids in the Great Crusade era. And everything else, yeah. yeah. So they put the body on ice and they go. They drive for three hours. And Shabon's like, you going to tell me what this is? Brian goes, no. Nope. And he trusts him, but he's not telling him. I trust him, and he's good in a fight. He's not telling him. The secrets and lies are already here. There's a spy. I don't know who I can trust. The paranoia level in this book is so much higher than in the other books. Yeah, big time. Even with the stuff, even with uh, when Johnson doesn't tell anybody flipping anything, and you know that that place is going to go south because the whole world's a death world infected by chaos and here i felt much more paranoia you didn't know who you can trust or what's going on um yeah i mean i think yeah what ticks brosny um bronzy off is is when they you know sonica says you know the alpha legion were here you know they're all um they're all alpharius yeah. and and his response is something along the lines of the most secret and cunning of all astartes so maybe that's ticked him off to there are games going on on both sides even more than than just the infiltrators that they believe they know about. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, once again, I think I just mentioned that's saying something because after reading the books with the lion, yeah, who doesn't tell anybody anything, and they are, the, the Alpha Legion is the legion with secrets. But the, Yeah, but the difference being... Um, the line just doesn't say anything, but you wouldn't expect him to try something underhand and sneaky. Exactly, but I mean, still, there's a lot of there's a lot not being said there. There's a lot of distrust in that legion that seems to be happening. Yeah, and I mean, and we all know what their reasons are. I mean, I get it. You know, half the legion went bad, and he's cleaning house. I get it. Uh, but this is just. I mean, these guys are. This is their stock and trade is secrets. It's kind of neat. Um. I like how he's jealous that Shaban can just crash sleep, the hypno-suggestive shutdown. <laughs> Where you can just take a, you know, this has been, in, this is in their gene enhancement. Part of their gene enhancement is that they can, you know, take a couple of deep breaths and knock out. Be awesome. Uh, but, uh, but Bronzy can't do that anymore. Which I thought was interesting that for some reason he's lost this ability. It's getting old. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, now you know what we'll jump back to Sonica in a minute because I want to finish off the chapter you know stick with yeah. Bronzy so they get to the meeting place and there's nobody there like he's looking around walking around hey they're supposed to be here what the hell there's the mar everything's here Space Marine shows up tells Bronzy you should have minded your own business and he's like what Shaban goes and pulls a weapon the Astartes kills him then names it a Bronzy and he goes what are you doing this for he goes for the Emperor <laughs> Wait, what, <laughs> the official what the hell is now in effect <laughs> yeah because you just don't know if this marine is good guy bad guy what the hell's going on whether he's doing it on orders of Honamu whether he's just intercepted it it yeah. is it I is mean crazy. yeah Mu is supposed to send someone to meet them and this guy shows up and kills Shaban you should have kept you should have kept quiet I was like oh Mm, what's going on? But while that's going on, Sonica wakes up and he notices that the animals that are near the camp 
they seem spooked. They get up and they take off and they run. And he's like, oh, crap, something's here. And he runs to go sound the alarm, and the Nerthine are attacking. And they're, I mean, they're already in the camp. Like, Yeah, they've already got in. Yeah, people are starting to wake up, and they're waking up to guys standing in their tents cutting their throats. I mean, they're, they're SOL at this point. They really are. Um, and the attack seems to be going after the freezer where that body was. And uh, he's killing all the Nerthine he can, and he's in there just basically defending. They're in the freezer. <laughs> in the freezer. They're, they're, they got a choke point. They got to get into the place, and they're just defending this area from them. And that's where this this scene ends. So basically what's left of his dancers is getting butchered yeah. out there in the desert. And he's got a few, you know, got a few rounds left. I mean, this, this is that, you know. There's, they've got the place surrounded. You know, I've got a couple of clips, and I'm going to do my best to hold him off. But he's a dead man, basically. Yeah. You know, they got this place surrounded. Yeah, I mean, the one thing we didn't cover in 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 the chapter was the song. Which? The, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it just just suddenly came to me. You know what? And I didn't get this. Like throughout the whole book, I still don't get this. Like, I I never saw if there was a, a literal connection to anything I mean they talk about him a, a bit later and why they kill him and stuff like that yeah it, it's there supposedly he's trying to suggest that there's something in these heads and, and there's a power at work but I'm just trying to think if I remember how it you know kind of pays off and don't really get a, yeah. a feel for that so I, maybe maybe it just went over our heads I don't know but it's possible you miss it heck if we ever get an interview with Dan Avnet Let's ask him about that. Put that on the list of things to ask Dan about. Yeah, if we no ever right. get him on the show. From the hag and hungry goblin that into rags would rend ye, and the spirit that stands by the naked man in the book of moons defend ye. And he knows that because his mother used to sing. It's called the Bedlam Song. Yeah. Which, wait a minute. Bedlam Song. I'm just thinking about that. Isn't that the code word at the end of the book? Bedlam, yes, and with the with the e at the end, is that how is that how you normally spell bedlam? I didn't think there was an e at the end, but yes. So yeah, what does that mean? I have no idea what it means. But it's another thing in there. Maybe it's yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It's sitting there and it's stuck in this guy's head. He dreams it. Yeah. Who who the heck knows? <laughs> yeah, and his wound that that wound he got. It was what has he got? He's got bits of the like. So the, a, a, a nerthine was killed next to him or something, and bits of his bone were lodged into his... Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. But so, yeah, this the, like you said, the song comes up, and I you know I, I know that there's listeners right now who are going, well, you must be stupid, you're not getting it, because I was reading the... Uh, I, was, I was reading our iTunes reviews from both the UK and the USA, and... Uh, just to see if we had any new ones. And that's the thing that keeps coming up. People say they like listening, and then they're yelling at the radios. But what about this, you idiots? So now anytime I don't get something, I'm just assuming somebody's yelling at the radio. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. So then we get to Chapter 3. And John Grammaticus. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I love this. I love this little first chapter. Though John Grammaticus was over a thousand years old, 
He had only big Koenig Henniker for eight months, and he was still getting used to the idea. Well, geez, there you go. I'm gonna, that 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 that's got me interested, right here. You know, uh, I mean that's just fantastic. So he now he's an officer attached to the Geno Five Two. Um, I thought it was interesting that after his first death, he slowly became less and less devoted to humanity. Yeah. <laughs> so still, still unashamedly fond of them. Yeah, like he's not quite human anymore. I suppose if you get brought back from the dead, though, and you're not a zombie, that's gonna do something to you. Yeah, and he spent many a year with a cabal. So yeah, right. So he's with the cabal, which is or, which we're learning now. Uh, they have shared the acuity with him. So now he sees the long view. So he knows what's coming with this. He knows basically what's in store for humanity in the future. Yeah. Uh, the Cabal came to Terra when the earliest humans were alive. And I like this. They talk about the primordial annihilator, which we know as chaos. Yeah. Uh, and humanity is either going to be the greatest weapon against it or the greatest weapon for it. Um, Indeed. And I like how the many in the Cabal resent that humans are so pivotal, are pivotal. Yeah, when they're just monkeys. Yeah. We've been around for hundreds and thousands, millions of years longer than them, and they show up, and now they're the ones? This is the, this is the race that's going to decide everything. Why? If you, if you look at, um, we see at least two elder that are on the Cabal that... Um, Oh. I mean, they're haughty as anyway, and that's just kind of two guys who think they're above everything, I and mean, then all the other races as well. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that they call humans monkeys or monkey. Okay, you yeah. got to have a slightly different pronunciation, so it's not exactly monkey. It took me monkey. years to kind of get that when I was first into GW, just because I just took it on face value, kind of thing. <laughs> But well, I good. mean, you know what? I could see, especially if you're younger and playing the game, I could see totally missing Monkey, you know, that, you know. Yeah. Um, they recruited so many humans, but they were all unsuitable. John Grammaticus was the first human they were able to use because he is a high function psyker. Yes. Yeah. And so I like some of the stuff they have on here, though. Um,. John Grammaticus had no physiological need to perspire, but he permitted his body to do so. Every other human around was sweating freely, and he didn't want them to notice he wasn't like them. You know, I just think, wait, what? Yeah, he's he's passed beyond just being human. Yeah, I don't quite know what he is, and I never quite understand it, even at the end of the book. I don't, how many times has he died? Who knows? You know, and how come he can keep coming back? He said something about them giving him a new body. I mean, is it just because he's such a high-functioning psyker, they're able to literally grab his mind or his soul or whatever and transfer it into a new shell? As far as this book goes, we know nothing. It's kind of cool. Indeed. Um, I do like, just before we move on, um, they were like, yeah, yeah, you know, we need to work on you humans now and make you save, save the galaxy and make sure it doesn't descend into this horribleness that it's going to become. Uh, I regret we didn't abort you when we had the chance. Yeah. It's like, looking back, it would have been easier just to kill your planet. But, you know, had they done that, then 
this issue would not be around. He's got a point. It's like one of those things, do you go back and kill Hitler when he's a kid? No, you put him in an evil baby orphanage. <laughs> oh, why did up. I know you were going to say that? This is a great game. <laughs> it is a great game. Okay, so, oh, here's where you start talking. Uh, J, I always, I, I've been calling Grammaticus JG as well because for notes. Yeah, when, yeah that, that is one thing for people listening. Um, making notes for, for these books is actually a fair amount of work. Um, not necessarily hard work, but it is work. And, and so we do get into abbreviations and things. I think we've probably done almost all the same ones. So <laughs> we might have times where we talk about JG or N or whoever. It's just... It, okay, good. So we're on the same page. Yeah, I've got JG written all across my yep. computer screen at the moment. So uh, JG, I like his, he's impressed with the Geno 5-2 Chiliad system. That's really, no wonder the Emperor let it exist. No wonder he stole their system. Uh, you got all this going on. The girls are perceptive, which is where they get that sept powers. Yeah. They're basically really, really weak psychers, but they've got this connection to their own. Well, I mean, all their, like I said, all the soldiers underneath them, as we talked about before, came from their own eggs. So there's this. Yeah. And that's kind of a cool thing. They've got this sort of perceptiveness, this slight psychic ability. And if you make all of their gene-enhanced soldiers out of their own eggs, that's their, that's their blood. That's their genetic code in there. There's an automatic connection that they're connect- – that's, that's really clever. Like whoever the hell thought this up, I don't know if this was a Dan Abnett uh, invention or if this was something they discussed you know, during writing meetings, but that's cool. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. Very different. And then you meet Ruxana. Apparently, as they get older, when they hit their late 20s and they turn into old maids. Because, you know, in your late 20s, you're an old maid. Because apparently, in the far future, it's pretty much the same as, you know, if it's Sense and Sensibility. Or some, you know, 1800s. Well, you do have that, that link back to that gothic time all through the 40K. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, it, it, makes, it makes an interesting kind of system. Um, yeah. But I, I like... Know, for for Rukshana to be the person she is through the book. Yeah, he likes Rukshana. The young aides annoy him, and and their their promiscuousness annoys him. Yeah. But it's He's like, not. well, why not be promiscuous? They're sterile. Yeah, you know, that's like sort of their their the only thing that can happen that's bad during sex is unplanned pregnancy. Obviously, yes, but basically, <laughs> I'm just you know what I I stopped and I wondered. I said, wait a minute. Who are they getting with? Is it the officers? It, it can't. Please tell me they're not getting with the line soldiers. Uh, it's, it's, it's not their bloodline, though, is it? Okay, I guess. Oh, hopefully not. No. I mean, I mean, this, I mean, that just gets in a whole creepy area with me. But I don't want to overthink that because that leads even, me into. Even if it were, they'd probably spread the axles around the different. Oh, okay. I can see what you're saying. So you're you're whilst you're maintaining a bloodline, it is um, not you know, you, well enough. Well, would, I, I just assumed that they were that there was their bloodline under their command because that's that connection. I assumed it was that way. So and actually, all the eggs are removed, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I guess uh, I get. Yeah, so, I guess not. Yeah, you know, you can just yeah. It's still weird, but yeah, the bloodline issue isn't actually a problem, is it? But um. Just the fact that it might be your second, third cousin or whatever. But, you know, some parts of the Deep South. Well, good. <laughs> hey, watch it. 
my family tree is in that section of the of the which country. <laughs> yeah, no, Heather's whole family comes from down Hammond, Louisiana, right around New Orleans. So okay. I really? mean I know that her family tree branches though. So it's it's so we're okay. Six fingers on each hand. <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting. So they want to know what what John has to report. And uh, Monlo Harbor used to be a starport, but it flooded, and so now it's a seaport. And yeah. the, the main island or the main wherever, this area, used to be this huge starport. And they're like, do the Nerthine even know this? And like, no, they don't know they're originally from Terra. They don't know that they're originally from here. Um, you know, and then he starts having, he starts having his... Um, Another little flashback. And once again, this... Dude, any time you get a flashback and the Emperor's in it, I mean, I get all excited. Because, I mean, he's the most fascinating character in this. And so after the bloody conquest of Batrika, Grammaticus was one of a hundred Caucasian officers invited to the Triumph at Posh, hosted by the retinues of the Thunderbolt and Lightning Army. That's the Thunder Warriors, right? Yeah. So uh, during the festivities, the emperor, even then he had, been, he had been known only by that objectionable epithet, had gradually, did grandly turn the table, toward the tables to personally thank his foreign allies and the leaders of the mercenary clans. Um, Grammaticus had been one of hundreds present to receive his grateful handshake. In that moment of contact, he had seen why the emperor was a force to be reckoned with, a psyker of towering unimaginable strength, not really human at all by any contemporary measure of the fact. Grammaticus, who had never met anyone like himself, had shuddered and felt like a drone insect in the presence of the Hive King. The Emperor had felt Grammaticus in the same passing second and smiled. You have a fine mind, John, he said, without having to ask Grammaticus' name. We should talk and consider the options available to beings like us. And that's when he dies. He died that painful, stupid first death. Um. Oh, I mean, the emperor was interested in him. I mean, he could have been. Who knows? He. I mean, with with the with the psychic strength he supposedly has, he could have been like um, the sigilite. The sigilite, or another sigilite. Yeah, potentially. Um, I mean, I know I'm just reading into it, but we, still. we have to, we have to read into it. Um. That, yeah, it, it opens some interesting kind of thoughts about um, maybe not just his psychic nature, maybe he, he felt more than that about him, um, but just had an inkling into his character, things like that. But actually, um, there are a fair bit further on, there are some interesting lines in some books which potentially change this line as well. Okay. Well, here's uh, another question. He starts thinking, could I have changed the Emperor's mind? Like, he yeah. he apparently saw something in the Emperor, too. Like, it yeah. wasn't just one way. He kind of saw into the Emperor's plans, which, so maybe the Emperor was like, we need to talk because I need to get him out of the way. Um, yeah, he, he he might have seen something like that character side of John Chromaticus. Not just his, his psychic ability, but also the way he goes about things, the way he thinks. Um, there's a lot of possibilities in there. Were psychers unknown at this time? Because Grammaticus didn't know there was any other people like him. Um, they certainly increased in um, 
in thing, but uh, been one of uh, let me read the second. Yeah, they must have been known, but they was. I think they they they, they did increase in in yeah. kind of regularity because he'd never met anyone else like himself. I mean, well, unless know, he's that much beyond a regular psyker that he's that different. We are talking start of uh, when uh, at the bloody conquest of Bactria at some point during the Unification Wars. So, uh, you know, his his early strife age victories. It's quite a long time before. Was this we, before? What do they call it? Old? Was this before Old Knight? No, 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 no. no. He's not that old. He's a thousand. Well, it says he's about a thousand years old, doesn't he? So the Unification Wars happened right before he inve- he got the armies together and went out on the Great Crusade, right? I mean, do I have my timeline correct in my head? Uh, you do, okay. uh, I believe, but because it was because Old Knight's five thousand years. Um, Old Knight was from when Earth was first kind right. of terror was yeah everything's all right and then it all crumbled and that's when the wars started blah 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 and then the emperor came through but obviously it took a long time for the unification wars to go through and then to build up the legions and then the great crusade etc etc it's all big periods of time right well i'm just saying because grammaticus is well it says was over a thousand years old so i'm assuming not over two because then it would say two maybe i mean i could who knows? I could be overreading this. I just—it's a thousand years for that psychogene to have increased in in kind of you know numbers. Yeah. So he meets the emperor, and then he died. He died, and then uh, and I like Grammaticus. Why did the emperor never warn them about chaos? Which is, I'm glad somebody finally in these books asked the question. Yes, <laughs> we've been asking it for the last six books. Why the hell didn't he warn the Primarchs? Because you would think that that's a good, important, I mean, that's a important bit of information. So I liked that somebody finally asks it. Um, and I like when he's hitting on Roxana, you know, at the begin at the uh, in the chapter two, he goes... They bring sort of bring him back to reality. I also like how he knows exactly how old the starport is, but he estimates it and and r- roughly, uh, you know, you know, gives it a ballpark. And he actually makes sure he's off by a bit. Yeah. Doesn't want him to know how how much he knows this stuff because you know it's not, you know, he doesn't want to give away too much. Yeah, that's a yeah, an old habit that probably isn't needed here, but he's so ingrained in him. And he's keeping secrets too. I mean, it's not like he's any better than the Alpha Legion, which is part of the problem. Leads here is that both of these two these two groups, oh yeah, are so involved in having the upper hand knowledge wise that it causes all this issue. Yeah, and what he's doing to Rakshana is he knows exactly how to push her mm-hmm. to get what he needs from her, although he has those feelings for her. Yeah. He also that he needs to do so. He's like, oh, you're getting old, and I can show you a bit of you know, blah blah blah. It's interesting because he's in love with her, and he hasn't been in love in a long time, and the Cabal is not happy with this. They're like, nah, and he's like, you know what? Deal with it, you know? But they're telling him he's needing to leave this girl alone. Yes. Uh, I thought it was interesting how he prepares himself when he's going back in. He starts reciting his <laughs> the litany of all the people he is. I am Grammaticus. I am playing Kenneth Heinecker, who is playing this guy. Sort of moving into the into that mode of 
all these different people that he is being. Yeah. That's Just lighting cool. his mind up. Yep. Uh, and then he gets to the checkpoint and he Jedi mind tricks. It, that's what I keep calling it in all my notes. He's Jedi mind tricking all these people. Big time. Where's your passports? Right here. You saw them. They're good, right? Oh, yeah, I saw them. They're good, right? Move along. Those aren't the droids I'm looking for. That's exactly what I've written. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then this is interesting. He meets this merchant, and he has trouble remembering his name, which seems weird to me because he's got this almost eidetic memory throughout the book. Uh, he's starting to get lost. He's going through the town. And you're like, you know something's wrong. And then he starts kind of running from these people who seem to be behind him. Next thing, he's in the middle of the town square, and he's freaking out because they have a temple to the primordial annihilator. And I'm like, wait a minute. So that's where you're sitting there going, okay, this there's a temple to, I was assuming it was Slanesh. Well, it might just be um, chaos. It could be just chaos, but. Yeah, undecided. Yeah, but they, I remember they kept talking about the different smells and the incense yeah. and stuff in the air. It made me think. There's no reason that they could all be, uh, the, the city could, um, uh, you know, honor all of the gods. True. But have Slanesh maybe above the others. Um, things like that. So, so we, yeah, things have started to go wrong. Yeah, and he <laughs> starts to get really confused and scared. This is not the John Grammaticus that we've seen a few pages ago. No, this is not, yeah, this is nothing, I mean, basically, for the last, I mean, we've only known him for 20 pages, but he's strong, confident, knows exactly what he's doing, and remembers stuff from a thousand years ago. So forgetting names and forgetting uh, the map in his head is obviously something wrong. So, I mean, he starts throwing up. He feels sick. His head hurts. So he runs, and he's going to hide, and suddenly he's grabbed by an Astartes. And I like this at the end of the chapter. What do we got here? Um, a gigantic hand gloved in steel reached out of the darkness and picked him up by the neck. It turned around and slammed him back against the wall, holding him by the throat. Grammaticus was being throttled, his feet kicking off the ground. The steel hand pressed him back against the wall. Terracotta brickwork ground into his back. I have a suspicion, a deep voice said, coming out of the darkness. You've been looking for me, John Grammaticus. It knew his name. That's possible, Grammaticus gasped though it might depend on who you are. My name? You know my name, you treacherous bastard. My name is Alfarius. And of course I'm going, is it Alfarius once again? Yeah, but because he knows his name, you start to think maybe it is Alfarius. You know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, Um, we did, um, yeah, it's starting to unravel there, that story. Um, the communication with the, the cabal, we kind of skipped over a little bit. We did. I kind of, yeah, we kind of glossed yeah, it a bit. It's, it's not a problem. It's just, I just quite enjoyed the fact that he kind of needs this mirrored surface to talk to them. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just an interesting way to keep keep contact. Um, and we see that they're, you know, they're, they're not happy. They're, they know what's going on, for starters. Um, and they're not happy with it, and it's all a bit tense. Yeah. Well, I love it when they go, my love, that sounds very John, not now. And so they're talking to him. In fact, you know what? I got a little highlighted mark here, and we totally did skip it. 
John, you're risking everything. You know what's at stake. What are you doing? Being human for a change, Grammaticus replied. John, we have eliminated agents for less. You know, <laughs> it's just like... Wait, what? Yeah, and they have a go at um, the emperor for being a bastard. Right. I'm sure you have, not in the old days, but in these later days, I'm sure you have. I am not threatening you, John. Yes, actually, you are. Yeah. You know, the galaxy must live. Right. And I can't be, and can't I be allowed to live in it a little? I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's his, there's a very antagonistic connection between these two. And he's worked with them for ever, it seems like. Yeah. Because they um, grabbed him at his first death. So he's been working for them for a thousand years and they still treat him like crap. Yeah. And he's stuck in the middle of it. Yeah. He's got no choice but to keep going with it. It's kind of sad, but what are you going to do? Indeed. Oh, and I also, something we skipped in this is I love uh, his ability. He picks up languages as soon as he hears them. Yeah. That's like one of his special psychic abilities is that he, you know, he hears a language and he's got it. That's really cool. I would love to be able to pick up languages like that. Even not that easy, but still just easy. Yeah. Um, so... We get to chapter four, and uh, he starts Jedi mind tricking the Astartes. <laughs> I love it. He says, "Put you know," and the, and the thing steps back. I mean, he does let yeah. me go, and he lets him go and steps back. It's like, holy crap! Stop I him! That's our first. That it's probably not Alpharius. Yeah, at that point, or he's really powerful. Yeah. Either way, I mean, Astartes are pretty mentally strong. Yes, they are. So for him to do that, stop him doing that. <laughs> and that's when his head goes on fire. And that guy, Sheer, the Astartes psyker that they have, um, it's just blasting him. Um, we're after the Council of Nikea, aren't we? Uh, no, I can never remember. No, I don't think so. We're two years before the heresy. Oh, two years. Um, Ulanor was not that long before the heresy either. Okay. Because they, I mean, I can't remember it wouldn't surprise me they're employing a psyker when they're not supposed to. I mean, it oh. wouldn't surprise me a bit. Absolutely. You know, but I just, I couldn't, I can never remember what's, what happens where with all this stuff. Um, so he gets blasted. He told, he, you better tell Alpharius what he wants to know. And so he just, and this is great. The Cabal has manipulated the Alpha Legion to bring them there because they might understand what's going on and be able to actually help. They know what chaos is. Uh, and, they're, you know, it's, it's a way more than a Xenos threat. And you need to talk to these guys. So the Astartes leaves and they leave him with. The Psyker, they leave him with Sheer. Yeah. Uh, they knew he was there for weeks looking around. They understand what's going on. I like how Alpha Legion uses any and all instruments to get its work done. That's what uh, Sheer tells him. Yes. Um, and then there's this, I, I like the little talk between them. Because um, it, it went in a direction I wasn't expecting it to go. You get a slight bit of a bond between them. Where are we? If you're following along in your, in your uh, soft cover book, 
at the end of page like 101. You know, it's hard to lie to me. A fact which I hope you'll mention to your masters when you report this conversation back to them. I excel at recognizing truth, and I'm not. So I am not unwittingly conveying someone else's lies to the ears of the out. I know when I'm being lied to, so they're not lying to. Me. I know they're not lying to me. The stuff I'm telling you, you know, I'm not give. I'm not unwittingly feeding you their lies. <laughs> you may recognize the truth, but we have no guarantee you're transmitting it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, they could have asked. And he's like, really? Would the Alpha Legion have said yes? Not in a thousand years. Look, I'd be careful how I explain this to them if I were you. Alpha Legion prides itself on knowing everything. Uh, they prize knowledge above all things and hate the idea of someone knowing more than they do. That's how they win their battles. In fact, the only thing they hate more is the idea that they're being manipulated. So not only do you know more about what's going on, but you were you were twisting things on them. Don't tell them that, you know. <laughs> and uh, they start strike up this bit of camaraderie, and that's when he's like, you know, uh, you know, you, you were doing all this stuff, and he sits there and he's like, you tell, you know, you 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 brought me here. He goes, no, I didn't bring you here. Well, you didn't, you did, you weren't influencing me from the moment I walked in the city today. And that's when he stops him. He's like, wait a minute. There's another plan, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I wasn't. So what are you talking about? And that's, Uh uh-oh. Yeah, definitely. I like um, in the chat we see that um, there was a 10-year plan from the cabal. Yeah. Uh, You know, it was a 10-year plan just to get close enough. To to get him there. To, to, To do the job they had to do. Yeah, and is, go ahead. Yeah, that was that was it really. I just I thought that was pretty awesome. And it's it seems like that was put together pretty fast. You know, yeah. the, the ten year plan. They see. I mean, we're talking the long term stuff here. Whipping together a plan in ten years is nothing. No. Um, oh, logo that's, kinetics. That's what they call his uh, ability to uh, learn any language. I like I like how they're comparing psychic abilities. Yeah. That's it. I'm more interested in your logo kinetics. So really, you have some interesting abilities yourself. Um, but, yeah. So, so we get about. Um, oh, so now Shear's like, we're getting out of here. What's going on? The city's gone quiet. The Nerthian identified you and you used you as a lure to draw us out. I'm so sorry. Your apology hardly counts for anything. Come on. And now they're like, we're getting out of here. And then... And attacked by lizards. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots of lizards. Yeah. And, and, and now Herzog, one of these, one of these uh, Astartes, is going after Grammaticus. He's like, you, this is your fault. And Shear's like, no, we need him. Please don't attack him. Peck said to watch him. And that's... Wait, Peck? You mean Alfarius? You know, so now you're saying, okay, yes, they are lying. They are not all named Alfarius. Or is Alfarius just... Is Peck a part of the name of Alfarius? Yeah, you got me there. So (laughs) they're running from these thousands of lizards that are all trying to sell them health insurance or car insurance. And... uh, they get this angry psyker feeling. So they're running upstairs, and a giant freaking two-meter snout crocodile who's got a six-foot snout yeah. comes busting 
in from the upstairs, kills some of the IG, and bites into Herzog's leg. Um, this thing is just huge, and it's brutal. Yeah. Beast. Uh, like that, where uh, Herzog roars when he bites down onto his leg, and you can hear the, 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 the male is shattering under his teeth. Grammaticus had never heard an Astartes cry in pain before. He decided he never wanted to hear the sound again. He pushed <laughs> Shear aside against the moving wall of lizards and adjusted his ring. It was an old, kind digital weapon, a gift from Gehet. He triggered it, an incandescent blue beam lanced out from it and exploded the crocodilian's brain case in a wet blast of meat, bone, and tissue. And I like that. And they go running. He's like, where'd you get that? What? Does it matter? You could have used it on us earlier. The fact that I didn't might persuade you I'm serious. You know? So he's still trying to build up some trust between them, which is freaking impossible. Um, Yeah, um... Sheer isn't a, a marine, is he? He's a. It's just part of their gear. Yeah. No, he's not. A, yeah, he's a. He's just a psyker. Because we get out with uh, with Peck and Herzog, trying to trying to somehow get the rest of them out of there after leaving one of their men behind to cover their retreat. Yeah, the IG are dying left and right. Peck is there with some more uh, Imperial Army. I'm sorry, they're not IG yet. Uh, about it. And he tells Herzog to get them out of there. So Herzog, Sheer, and 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 John all run for it, and a freaking dragon comes up out of the ground. A dragon. Yep. It's awesome. And Herzog starts shooting it. Sheer starts burning it. Grammaticus says, "F this noise," and runs. Just runs and does not look back. He's getting out of there. Yeah, its head is as big as a life pod. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, this is just brilliant. It's like that was the last thing I expected to happen. Yeah, was to have a dragon pop up out of there. Like, oh, really? That's it. So that, I mean, that's just brilliant. And then we roll right into chapter five. Uh, and I like this. The question: Why is Monlo screaming? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they know nothing of what's going on. So Big N is upset about this delay, and we kind of go back to... Mon- this is three days later, after he runs out of Monlo Harbor. Uh, he's got 103 successful compliance campaigns, and this would be his 25th successful commanding the 670th uh, you know, fleet. Uh, fleet. Um, I love his description in here. By the way, I hope we're not plowing through this too much. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not overanalyzing a lot of this. I mean, because it's basically all lies and, and cheats and secrets. And so I'm sort of kind of wanting to go through the story and just find all these really cool parts. Um, where's his description on page 114? Oh, here it is. Uh, Namajira was a tall, dismayingly handsome man with heroic features like the noblest classical statue and skin so black it possessed a smoky sheen. He wore a frock coat of chrome plate armor over a deep water blue uniform and black riding boots with ornate chrome spurs. A floor-length cloak of painted silk hung off one of his shoulders, and a soldier standing to his left carried his fur shako with the reverence ordinarily accorded to a holy relic. The soldier was a veteran of the feared Lucifer Blacks, so-called because of their coal-dust velvet cokes and jet body plate. 
the Lucifers, an Ischian-raised elite brigade as old as the cel- and celebrated as the Byzant Janizars or the Siduthu or the uh, the Sithu Barat, were all but extinct. So you've got all these guys, and basically they're some of his. He's got these all but extinct elite troopers as his personal guys. Yeah, this is a typical Imperial Army commander of that kind of level. He's showing it all off, isn't he? Yep. He's got all his bling. Yep. But yes. So he wants to know why he's screaming. Major General Dev does not offer any excuses. And I like this. I have nothing to offer than what you I have nothing more to offer than what you already know. And then he he pulls his sword out halfway, ready to snap it, which would be this, the ultimate discharge, forfeit of his rank, title, everything. All his, you know, everything he's earned in his life in the military, coming up to these high ranks. It's just, you know what's, okay, I want to totally sidetrack here for a minute, which, what a surprise. It's just, these guys in these highest ranks, I just, it seems amazing that, A, you live long enough to get there. Because these guys all seem kind of young for what they're doing, I don't unless they live longer than we do now. Um, if, you, if you're rich enough, you can pay for the treatments to make you live longer. That's true. It just, it just seems amazing how you get up to these ranks. It just doesn't seem like a common core soldier would ever get up this high. You don't go anywhere near the front line. They're probably bred into command positions. Oh, yeah. Scholar, um, you know, schools which teach them command, so they start at the back lines. You know, most of these will probably have never have been to the front line. Okay. So, but, uh, Big N, it says he he spoke to Horus during the Ulanor battle. Horus is checking his progress. That's it. So we've now got a date stamp for this. I forgot this was in here. So this is alongside Ulanor and therefore not. Oh, so this is before... For the council, yeah. Yeah, okay, good Good call. Yeah, you're right. I totally, yeah, I forgot about that too. So he's not the war master yet either. No, no, it's not until Eleanor's conquered. So is this normal that a Primarch would be stopping in the middle of a conquest to check on how you've taken along a planet here? Um, or is he well, name dropping? I mean, this just seemed weird to me. Um, a bit of both, maybe. Um, I mean... Uh, Maybe Horus wants them there and is like, where are you? You know, we've got a job for you to do. Why aren't you done yet? Okay. Yeah, there'll be downtime. There'll be travel time in the, in the, in the conquest of Ulanor. There'll be, you know, there'll be the odd bit and piece. And a Primarch doesn't necessarily need as much downtime as his men and all that. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I, yeah, there could be a myriad of, of reasonings why, why he wants to know exactly what's going on. Okay. So... Monlo is still, it's, it's been screaming for three days. Now, I mean, is it literal? I mean, are everybody in that flipping town screaming so loud that you can just hear it? That's creepy as hell. Well, there's a screaming. Or there's some sort, yeah, something in yeah. that town is making a screaming noise. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Wind but is going around it. Probably even more scary than the fact that everyone would be screaming. Is not knowing what is screaming. I'm just picturing like an invasion of the body snatchers. Remember that? Like in the 70s version and, the, and then that one that happened in the 90s. Like when they see you, they kind of point. And then, I'm just like picturing like the, you know, because they did. They dropped their guard. The whole town went silent. And then everything was attacking yeah. the Astartes in the town. And I'm just wondering if it's like, okay, we've dropped the veneer. Like, this, oh, God, that's so wrong. 
But mm. who knows? Because we don't know. Once again, they never go into the town when it's screaming. So it's not natural, though. No, <laughs> that's, that's all we know. Uh, there's winds. There's giant dark clouds that the wind isn't actually moving. It's windy, but the clouds are just staying there. Um, the astropaths have gone blind from the clouds. Uh, the screaming is both acoustic and psychic. So it's hitting psychers on a much worse level. And stories of plagues of lizards and f- and frogs around the sewer outfalls. Yeah. And also sloud snakeskin blowing into the imperial lines. Yeah, there's some crazy shizzle going on here. Yeah. And then... And the ho- ba- basin turned pink overnight. Yeah. Well. It's just... Yeah, it's, I mean, this is like this is like biblical plagues and things all happening at once. Yeah, definitely. And then now Honan Mu is one of the people that Big N wants to talk to privately, and she's like, uh-oh, why? Yeah. Um, and who else is in there? Rukshana's in there, and uh, N's asking her about Koenig Henniker. Uh, you know, did you have this guy who went in there? Yes, I did. Uh, he went in that morning. He never came back. And um, and so then Honan moves there, and he has her telling uh, General Dev and all the others there about the help that they got from the Alpha Legion and that they're going to meet Alpharius tomorrow. And it's funny. Uh, Big N wishes that it was some legion other than the Alpha Legion. They're the newest legion. They've only been around a few decades. Why can't I get a good legion? You know, a, a more, you know, a well... You know, <sighs> something about Namajira irritates me, and this is one of those points where it comes up and annoys me. It's like, he seems to be a bit of a name dropper. Like, you know, why am I only getting this legion? Why can't I get one of those really well-respected, well-known legions? If you're only sending Alpha Legion, you must not think I'm that important. Did you get that from this? Um, I think maybe I got more of a, he's an old school um, kind of honorable fighter, and the Alpha Legion aren't. You know, why can't I have the men that line up in front and do their job, you know, in the old traditions of war? Why do I have to get these underhand devious? Oh, you know what? I guess, I guess you're right. I've even got a thing marked here because Mu asks him why why he doesn't want them and he says they're not like the other legions they don't fight like the other legions they practice war in the most insidious way Gilliman has said to me on more than one occasion that he finds their message underhanded and discreditable okay name dropper you know he's a tool I'm sorry yeah that is kind of a tool I mean he really is I mean he is again it just all, all, kind of, all of the little bits seem to add up to me to be one of those old commanders who has, you know, you have to keep doing this to show other people that you are in charge and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Horace called me to check on this. Gilliman has told me several times that he doesn't find their... I talk to him, all, you know, all the time. Yeah. And why, why have we got a legion that doesn't really have any honors? Why can't we have one of the, the legions that's already marked their chest with... You know, honor upon honor, that kind of thing. All I know is they were already operating here undisclosed before I knew anything about it. Name me one Lord Commander who would be pleased to discover other men fighting his war for him without invitation, consultation, or consent. You know, it certainly lacks respect. Respect be damned. What about strategy? 
How can I orchestrate this war? I mean, it's just... He has 24 wars of compliance and one. Yeah. Well, so actually 103. 103, sorry. Yeah, 24 with a 670. Um, yeah, so he's, you know, he knows what he's doing. And maybe it's just... Maybe that's why he knows everybody. It but keeps it, going. It keeps going. Yeah, 103 is not going to be bad for a, for an imperial office to be in charge of. Still seems like a name dropper to me. Oh, yeah. Just oh, there's saying. no doubt about it. He, you know, he is pompous... Um, and you know, one must be seen to be acting in a certain way, and certain names will always help generate chat in societal matters and all that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he actually goes so far as to say that, you know, this screaming might be their doing. This might be something the Alpha Legion is doing. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and then we meet Dinus, or Dinus. How did you pronounce it? The oh, captain of the blacks. Dinus. Dinus. Okay. Well, so when it's over, I like how I like that uh, Big N asks him about you know what do you think? Like he this this guy's in his confidence. He's not just. I, I think this this is the other half of Namajira. It's like yes, he's a pompous ass who will like to make sure that people know that he's knows these people, etc., etc., etc. But actually, there's a reason he's got 103 compliances. It's because yeah. he's not—he's not an idiot. No, and he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I don't think he's an idiot at all. But he's still a tool. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not—I'm not denying that. But these 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 kind of bits help help show that he knows what he's about. So they know Rukshana's hiding something. So now they got her under scrutiny. Put her under scrutiny. Um, you know, to find out why. And Moo notices something's weird, too, because she asks her, is everything okay? And she goes, yes. And she goes, you know, if you need any help or if there's something wrong, she goes, no, I, I'm, I'm fine. And so Moo goes and sends for Boone, who is a gene whip. Um, they're like sort of the guys that keep, what are they, like the MPs in there? Yes, know? seem like it, yeah. Um, might have other roles as well, maybe keeping morale up, yeah. yeah, yeah. Making sure no one steps too far out of line. Because there's obviously something wrong, because she actually tells him, I won't see the Chilia disgraced. And if she's lying about something, I need to know what it is. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I do, I mean, that's one of the things I also like about the Geno 5-2s is they do seem to, I mean, it's important to them that they keep honor and they keep everything out in the open. And if anyone even seems to be keeping anything back for any reason... They want to know what it is. There are no secrets and lies in the Geno 5-2. They've got an honorable tradition that goes back, you know, via the Emperor. Yep. He's, he's personally kept them uh, And going. if it's been a thousand years since the Unification Wars, this unit has been around a long time. Yeah. Which, once again, let's go back to all the books. When you keep honorable and you, and you eschew secrets and lies... For open, you know, an honest work, you get a unit like this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's it's it just it, it, this is reinforced through through all of it, um, which keeps coming through. Uh, and then they find out Sonic is there, and they all thought he was dead. Yay, he's still alive. He survived. Oh, did he? Oh well, oh that's true. I suppose he could be a. He's just come from a place where there was a body that was one of his men that wasn't one of his men. Oh, that's true. God, I never even thought for a second that it wasn't him. Every time you see a name, 
Is this or is it? Oh, Do you just it? have that written all over your notes, or is it? What is it? Is it who, who knows? Who the hell knows? So she, I thought you were dead. Only a few survived. About twelve people survived. And this is great. This is where I was. This was a moment where I was just like, da 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 da. So Sonica says, "Well, what'd you find out about the body?" And she goes, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "The body, the one we sent you. What body? From the call, I didn't talk to you guys." And you're, oh, and I'm sitting here just going, "Oh no!" Oh, and he's the ace in the hole. Yeah. And so now he's like, "Oh crap, she's in on it. She's got to be." Oh, I know. We talked to her. I was there. So she's playing like she doesn't know. She's in on she's so the paranoia starts to run deep here. Yes, because she obviously is lying. He's now he because he's convinced she knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So I mean, at, at this point, you're, you know, it's pretty clear that Sonica's the real deal. Um, and yeah, and the spirals now of of his wonderings and and, and doubt start to just take off. And suddenly Boone is there, who's you know what, what? Yeah, maintains discipline and rules. Why would she bring him here? Oh crap, he's in on it too. So Sonica's like, uh, you know what? I, I, I strict, got- sorry, strict regulators of the Chiliad's ethos, especially empowered to maintain levels of conduct and morale and to enforce discipline and punishment. There we go. And this guy shows up. Yeah. Right when Sonica gets back. And he's like, uh-oh. So he's certain that something's wrong. And so he basically just blames the fatigue and the problem. Says, you know what? I'm just, just forget it. I, I'm confused. And basically plays it off like, I, you know what? I've just gotten through a lot of trauma. There's a lot of weird things going on. My brain is still a little rattled. Yeah. Which is a pretty lame excuse, but it's all he's got at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could put it down to he has just been attacked and only, what, 12 of his men survived that that attack. It's it's pushing it, but it's not out of the realms of possibility. Right. But he walks out feeling really alone. Yeah. He doesn't know where to go or what to do. Meanwhile, Moo tells Boone, you know, don't worry about him. Keep an eye on Rukshana. And uh, chapter ends with her getting to her room, and, and uh, Grammaticus has been there already for two days. Or, I'm sorry... Uh, Henniker has been there for two days and she wants to know what the hell is really going on because he's hiding. Nobody knows where he is. She's lying for him. She wants to know what's really going on and he's actually thinking about telling her at this yeah. point. He's considering telling her. But uh, So that's where we go and then you know what? Let's uh, Let's do chapter six and then we'll take a short break. So let's do one more chapter and take a short break and then finish up part one here. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. So this is the next day in Monlo Harbor. Um, three and a half pages describing all the leaders and their battalions and their armor. Yeah, I love it. It's Yeah. Okay. Uh, their armor seems amazingly impractical. Okay? Yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, Namajir is wearing gold face paint for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, it, he is. Um, that's going to be ceremonial armor. Uh, yeah. Ten, he's not a guy who's going to be wearing, needing to wear armor. Right. Gold face paint, a 10-meter train on his cape. Seriously, 30-some-odd feet? Come on. Yeah, oh, peacock feathers, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's the gold face paint that's really throwing me. I just... 
two extra pairs of cybernetic limbs with extra with daggers and sabers. Yeah, and this is yeah, it's just a show of wealth, isn't it? He's got his uh, thylacine animal laying at his feet, you know, which is one of the rarest animals. Uh, It's been back engineered from DNA samples left from the unification era. Yeah. It's just this is a typical um all the way down. I mean there's what uh, there was three quarters of a million troops they said earlier. Uh here that's without Titans and all that kind of stuff. So this is the Imperium showing its might. He's he's already peed off with the uh, Astartes. Right. Alpha Legion, and it's like, No, I'm gonna come out here in all my gold shizzle with all my men lined up. You know, you, you they will know who's in charge. Yeah, and in fact he's got all that stuff there and it says they're all standing there. And when the guy from the Alpha Legion shows up, it takes him eight minutes to walk the length of the corridor of troops that have been set up. Yeah. And they got a big stride, and it's not like they're walking slow, you know? That's a long that's a long way. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you're figuring if an Astartes walking, that's, that's at least a mile, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easy. And so he takes, and he cuts his hand and offers respect and allegiance to Big N, which I was like, wait, huh? I yep. totally thought, I mean, everything we've read goes the other way around completely. No matter how high-ranking in the Imperial Army you are, the Astartes show up, and they're like, okay, whatever you need, Astartes. So I, this struck me, I mean, this is the first time I remember seeing it in the books, that it went the other way around. Yep, but knowing the Alpha Legion, they probably know everything about Namajira. And they know that he probably won't like them appearing because they're not one of the, you know, glory legions. So, like, you know, we know how to shut him up. We'll just tell him that we're here for him and then we'll go and do our own thing anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're going to have, you know, the whole Alpha Legion is all about information. So they've yep. probably, probably got it all already. And I love this, the cutting your hand, like that old, you know, like, like the, you know, back in the 50s when kids would cut their hands and be blood brothers, back before that became amazingly unhealthy. Yeah, I think it probably goes back further than that. But if- yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember, I mean, I remember when I was a little kid seeing things in movies and TV shows where kids would do that, and then we got older and every sort of blood-borne disease came on the planet, and you can't do that anymore, but... Hey, it worked. For, it probably worked for the ancient... Yeah. Legions and things. So they cut their hands, they shake, you know, I am Namajira for the Emperor, for the Emperor. I am Elfarius. I am Elfarius for the Emperor. Elfarius would be the only one that would walk down that, you know, to receive Mm -hmm. Namajira. You've got to send the biggest guy, haven't you? Yeah. So it's obviously Elfarius. It must be Elfarius. Well, nobody would disrespect (laughs) Big N by sending a proxy. Uh, No one's got a freaking clue. Dude, I don't have a clue. I'm not certain exactly who that is. It's probably not Alfarius because I don't think he could be bothered with this type of nonsense based on what we know. Well, we know nothing about him, do we? I don't know if we've met him yet. So, oh, this is fantastic. This is just beautiful. This is just wonderful. Yeah. Well, Grammaticus's reply, really? Are you? Yeah. He knows. And he's watching from two kilometers away. Now, this is starting. is bigger than you. It could be Alfarius. Yeah. Uh, since and now, Grammaticus is watching from, like I said, you know, over a mile away, two kilometers away. Um, 
since he's gotten back from Monlo Harbor, the cabal has not contacted him at all. And he's waiting, but he's getting nothing. And he finds that to be very odd. Um, and I like this. They cut back to uh, to Shay, you know, Dina Shay, the, the Lucifer Black. And he's heading for this rooftop where Grammaticus is because as they're sweeping the area looking for stuff, they find a dead spot. Yeah, a small dead spot as well. And, the thing, and nobody else notices it, really, because they're not looking for nothing. They're looking for something. But here you got less than nothing, you know? You've actually got a dead spot where there is absolute nothing. He's like, wait a minute, that's not right. No, we got, um, I really love the, the background for Chain. Um, yeah. You get... You get even more. The, this this book is brilliant for giving us information on the unification wars. Yes, and, yes. And Earth, there's, you know, it's it's threaded through. There's page here. There's two pages there. We really get an expansion of what was going on. Um, and then within this action, particularly, it's like, okay, this guy is not to be messed with. He is extremely, extremely competent. Yeah, he's been a soldier longer than he'd been an adult. Yeah. And he's born on Zeus, one of Terra's myriad lost colonies. So he wasn't born on Terra. He was born on one of these planets. Right? Yeah. Am I correct? That's what a, a lost colony yeah. is? This isn't unification, is it? It's, um, it's, it was Zeus's war. Yeah. Right. And they've been on this global war for uh, a century. Uh, he was on the losing side. He was just, so at 11, he finds himself wearing the uniform of the National Youth, carrying an auto rifle. Um, and basically, he winds up becoming, about three weeks in, his troop leader's killed. I was said it was uh, after three, two weeks shy of his 15th birthday, his troop leader dies. So his troop leader's 15. I mean, they're literally got children out there in the army. Yeah. And he well, winds yeah. up becoming the leader at what, 11 or 12? Barely 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah, this is brilliant stuff. You're right. Um yeah, I mean, he's hardcore. Yeah. This guy, survive, he's a survivor, and he's badass, and he's one of these guys who, you know, he's the real deal. Yeah, and it's, and it's everything. It's, you know, he's a, he's a detective, he's a bodyguard, he's a soldier, he's, he's, um, and, and he's, he's just on it, on it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, talking about your five favorite characters, uh, human character, non-Astartes characters from the from the yeah. heresy. You could easily, if, if, if you expanded that list to, say, ten, because I don't want to cut out everybody. If you picked your ten favorites, you could get probably two or three just from this book. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just reading the book back again, just remembering the little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet, all through that, Grammaticus was one step ahead. Yeah. Well, okay, now he gets there. And there's nobody there, but there's a note under a rock. Better luck next time. What a dick. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, um, kind of seems to me like, like Grammaticus kind of enjoyed it a little bit. Oh, yeah, he did. You know, this is, oh, someone's, there's someone here almost as good as me. Yeah. So wait, you, you, the fact that you even noticed me, nice job. Like, a little yeah. pompous, a little, you know. Yeah, and, and and we see he even identifies that later on. Yeah. Yeah, he realizes that he's being a, a bit of a jerk there. 
Um, but that, that was great when he said, "No, better luck next time." I was like, "Oh man, that yeah." Now, now you pissed him off, though. Yeah, you know, maybe not the if if there's a guy who's actually able to find you, maybe pissing him off is not the right way to go. Especially when you've got a really important job to do. Exactly. So, um, Sonica and the remaining dancers are in the hospital, but they're getting dressed and they're going to go stand with the army. Too damn right. Right. Um, and then Sonica finds one of those little Dionite heads under his pillow. And he doesn't know how it got there or who put it there or what's going on. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, what, what, what? What's yeah. up with that? Is that warp play? Is it someone who survived because they were on the other side? Is it... Uh, who knows? Yeah, because I didn't catch that at all. I like I couldn't figure that out. Unless that's just that Bronzy had stopped by to see him. That was the only thing I could get. Who else was there with him? Potentially. But um, but someone to do that and not wake him up, That's that's kind of a bit creepy. Yeah. I mean, unless he was out, out because he was wounded or something or tired, you know, who knows? Yeah, you might. Have, if you were his friend, you probably would have left a note. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I made it. Yeah, who knows? Oh no, I, I, I may, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd be like, oh, he'd understand because we were at Visages together playing the game, and he doesn't want to. Yeah, he doesn't want. Remember now? Oh, yeah, he doesn't want the link. Maybe yeah, Bronze yeah. is still trying to stay away from him. There's plenty of options in that. Again, when we're given nothing to go on with it. Secrets and lies. It's another part of the puzzle. You, you, it's like Lost. You're getting twice as many questions as you are getting answers for the first night, four episodes, yeah, four seasons. Yeah, but and I never saw the end of Lost because I sort of lost the thread of that show in the last couple of seasons. But, uh, it's not about the end of that show. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The end of this book apparently has got a better payoff. I'm only talking about the first four seasons oh, of Lost. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, meanwhile, yeah. Boone, they're going to Roxana's room. They're going to go. They're lying their way in. We need to check something, blah, 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 you know, Landshark, Candy Graham, whatever they got to say to get into the room. And uh, Grammaticus is in there. So he hears them trying to find their way in, and he's got to do something. Yeah, I like, um, yeah, he's sitting there going, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm stupid. I should never have left that note. You know, what What have I been thinking? And then it's the, the quote from Mon Lowe, that I'm immortal and nothing can kill me. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that he, when he was speaking to Mon Lowe, that I'm immortal and nothing can kill me, Mon Lowe had shown him how spurious that assumption was. So <laughs> we know that this gift that he's got can be removed. <laughs> yeah. And he's necessarily immortal forever. So, um, so they get in the room and Grammaticus is hiding there. And all of a sudden as they walk in, this guy, Kaido Pius, is coming out of the shower. Yeah. And so he's using his power to make them see him instead. Um, and they're not supposed to be there either. So he's like, uh, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you doing in here? And he's like, well, what are you doing in here? I know I'm coming out of the shower. <laughs> so basically, they're like, you know, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be out there. And he's like, listen, I was getting a little something, something. That's why I'm not, what are you guys doing in here? Oh, you're not supposed to be here either. Why don't we all just walk the hell out of here and forget that any of us saw each other, which was, you know, it was a good move. And so they leave, 
And it's funny, as soon as he leaves, he can't quite remember any of the details of what just happened. No, doesn't quite fit. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute, what just, what? What just happened? And it took, it took it out of Grammaticus to do it, which is quite interesting. Yeah. I mean, and he didn't have time to put something together. And because he threw it together so fast, you could see it's like not it wasn't it wasn't as good as his normal job of yeah. doing it. But they walk outside and uh, there's Kaido Pais talking with some Bashaws. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute! What the hell? You know, as you see there, and he's actually talking to Sonica. So that's kind of everything sort of links back together. He walks out and sees him. He's talking to Sonica. Uh, they split up, and he sees the Joker's banner. So he goes to see Bronzy, but as soon as Bronzy catches his eye, he frowns and ditches him. Like, yeah, which could be, a, yeah, it could be, which could feed him with that that head, right. And so he doesn't go after him, though. He's like, you know what? Going after him might not be the best plan. Yeah. So he's, he's catching on a little bit. Bronzy's alive. Yeah, uh, that much we know. Bronzy's alive, and he is doesn't he? want to talk to me. Is he? Is he? <laughs> stop that. Because, well, all we know is there's someone who looks like Bronzy walking around. Right. We just saw Bronzy's, best, you know, saw Bronzy's mate get shot. Just before it faded to black. Oh, that's true. That segment. So I'm sitting here reading it a second time, trying to remember how the story went. Going. Uh, so is that the real Bronzy? Because he's just, you know, he's turned away and gone. He's fr- well, he's frowned for quite. It was it. Um, for a moment, the moon, the crowd, their eyes locked. Seneca and Bronzy, hurt. You're alive for terror's sake. Hurt. Bronzy frowned. Then he turned away and was lost in the tide of bodies. So a frown can mean a lot of different things. It can be like, what's that bloke on about? Oh, oh rats, I'm, I might be found out here. Or it's, oh, shoot, how do I deal with, you know, how do I deal with my mate who I don't really want to get involved with at the moment because it will get him in trouble. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so as soon as you start Crazy. to think that way, yeah, every situation starts to take on different meanings. All right. Well, you know what? Let's take a quick little break here, and we'll come back, and we'll finish off the rest of part one, at least. Definitely. Chug through this. All right. Hey, Grant, what you doing? Oh, not much. Just building some models and listening to Garage Hammer. Garage Hammer? I love that show. It's awesome. I know. Welcome back and into chapter seven, back to chain. Uh, okay, so Monlo Harbor and Earth, the evening of the day. That okay, this is, I, I'm only bringing this up because this is the one I always write down these little chapter headings at every part. And it was right. the next day, the evening of the day. That was just so poorly worded. I had to stop and say, wait, what are they talking about there? The evening of the day. Well, no. Mm. That's just yeah, a grammar thing. It should have just been evening that day, same day or something like that. That's just maybe, me. Maybe it doesn't mean that. Maybe it's got more meaning to it than that. Uh, if it does, it's something I totally missed. Someone could fill me in. I'm happy to be filled in. Um, so yeah. 
Uh, we're back at um, Che, Chain, and uh, he sends in this note for analysis. And I love he tells the guy, he's like, if this, be careful with this, because if anything happens as a piece of evidence, you're getting ex- you're going to be executed. He's <laughs> like, oof. But then he's got to go into a big meeting with uh, Big N and Alpharius. Okay, now I got a question here. The Imperial Palace could be seen from Mars. It's, um, they bulldoze some of the Himalayas. I call BS. Nope, sorry. I'm calling BS on this. Oh, this is quite far away. Th- yes, too far away. Because the fact is, people are saying that, you know, you know, you know that whole thing where they say you can see the Great Wall of China from space? Yeah. No, you can't. Depends how big a microscope, um, uh, telescope you got. But, but no, I'm saying if you're out in like the space shuttle, they're saying you could see it with a with a with the naked eye. The yeah. fact is that, and I, I remember reading this, it so blends into the surrounding area with all the growth and the and the and the. Yeah. the you can't, dude. You can't. No, no. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm calling it BS. Was, okay, right. If you're on Earth with a telescope, you can see certain aspects of Mars. <sighs> I guess so. So maybe it's that it's talking about that. I okay. don't think literally saying you can stand on Mars with your naked eye. I mean, flipping out, we can barely see Mars. Exactly. For me, I don't think that's it. But the Imperial Palace is, monst- is uh, monstrous. Okay. It's, they bulldozed part of the top of the Himalayas to build it. Yes, oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. If you, you're on Mars with a decent telescope, then you could probably pick out a blob as being the Imperial Palace. Okay, I'll give you the with the I'll give you. With the telescope, because that when I first read it, I just read it and said, you can see, the, yeah. This reminded Che of the god walls of the Imperial Palace on Terra, the mountainside bastions and soaring ramparts illuminated by billions of slit windows and the great beacons of light that send vast beams of radiance into the top of the sky. That was a monument no man could see without experiencing an emotional response, not even Shane. In the older days, it was said that the antique Great Wall of Zhang Gu could be seen from near orbit. The Imperial Palace could be seen from Mars. So I guess that's what it was. From near orbit, you would, they all said you could see the Great Wall with the naked eye. So I just assumed that they were still talking about the naked eye. So I'll, I'll back off my statement there and say yes with the telescope. I think that's probably a bit far, seeing as what Mars appears as a yeah. you know, a, a, a dot, a pixel-sized you know, spot in the sky. Yes. So... Um, I love, like I said, that bit of uh, imperial discipline where uh, he doesn't mess around. Yeah, Chain. yeah. I'm when sorry. They, yeah, back to that thing. When he got waved through because they knew who he was, yeah. he had the whole detail executed. Yeah, well, we know who you are, so you don't. I could be, I could be impersonated. You're all dead. Yeah. This is another thing that drives me nuts. I mean, I get it, but damn, they seem kind of strict. I mean, well, mm. I, I don't know, just, it seems like a, there's a lot of execution that goes on when you make a mistake, you die. I mean, Darth Vader doesn't kill people this often. Darth Vader didn't have as many people. <laughs> there are, yeah, there are billions. There's no reason to kill, all, I, mean, I guess, I guess. I mean, and that does keep, does so you, the next crew won't make the same mistake, will they? True. It just seems like such a horrible future. It seems like such a horrible place. Yeah, it's 30K, 40K. It's Warhammer. <laughs> it is a horrible place. Even in the golden era, it's a horrible place. So, uh, 
he puts he stops to put two of his Lucifer Blacks, Iman and Belloc, on the note with the search. He's like, you guys keep on this because I got to do this. Um, and I like this how he sees this note as his fatal flaw. This is the thing that's going to get him. Of the note itself, that little scrap of paper would tell him everything he needed. The choice of language, the use of language, phraseology, psychology of meeting, the pen weight, the handwriting, the paper source, the type of stylus, the ink residue, the gene residue, the fiber trace, the note's position, the type and origin of the stone left to weigh it down. The spy, Shane's prey, had betrayed himself in a hundred different ways simply by being cocky. And that cockiness was the biggest lead of all. I just love all the stuff that he's getting from from yeah. that bit of note. The only thing is you need something to relate that information to. Exactly. So you probably haven't really got with Koenig Henniger a huge amount. No, not much. So uh, Grammaticus wakes up and Roxana wakes up and he's late for this meeting. You know? Because uh, he knows this meeting's going on, he's got to get over there. He needs to see what's going on between Big N and Alfarius. Um, yeah, and when he gets there, he's really enjoying the game. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? I'm no expert, but you can't all be Alfarius. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we present one face to the enemy. Yeah, but we are friends, so I am Alfarius. There's Ingo Peck, my first captain. Thias Herzog, my second captain. Um, they look almost identical. Um, and I like this. Shane notices that they're not identical. They look almost identical. Uh, Alpharius has slightly, got a slightly different cranium. Slightly similar to Horus, he's thinking. The shape of Horus' uh, head. Yeah, this is... Um, Grammaticus was talking about similar things earlier. That... All the Primarchs, all the other Primarchs tend to have, there's something about them which suggests that they're gene sons of the Emperor. Um, and this one doesn't quite, and he's got an accent and he speaks these words in this kind of way and Chain's doing the same kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're, you are, there are differences here and there are differences there and I can keep an eye on that. Yeah, and I like, we also have this common trooper with a, hey, who's that? He's just a common trooper, a Megon. And Shane knows this is a lie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is, I mean, it was a terrible lie. Like, even if you know who Omegon is, well, this is my first captain, my second captain, and we brought this common trooper along. Why? What? Why? That makes no sense. That just, that just struck me as like a stupid lie. Well, but if only Chains picked it out. I guess. But, you know. Um, but, but he's also said, I mean, yeah, this is one of my common troopers. His name is Omegon. But other times they do say that Omegon is leader of blah, 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 blah. So it may have been said with a little bit of, oh, yeah, this is just my common trooper. Yeah. Um, I like this conversation that they talk about here. Um, let's talk about Nerth and how to finish this war. This compliance. Now Majira corrects him. He goes, "It's a war," and I love how his first and second captain step in here. You've got the head, you know, this imperial lord and Alpharius talking, and his first and second commanders are just 
to just start to step in and start correcting people and jumping in on the conversation. Uh, I thought this was a little odd at first, but even Alfair is like, you know, I, I, I encourage this with my men. You yeah. know, it's yeah, a bit different <laughs> for the really upset the scales if the Imperial Army started all thinking they could do that. Right, but men die, my men die, but this is still an action of compliance. Or are you questioning the Emperor's design? I appreciate it, and I endeavor to uphold it. And then there's like he chases a utopian ideal. He would. I love. They're just playing off each other, almost as if this is rehearsed or they've had this conversation a hundred times. Yeah, I think that might be um, due to the nature of the fact that they all pretend to be the Primarch. Mm-hmm. Will break down a lot of those barriers of rank. Yeah, because at various points they all have to be the one in charge and have others, you know bow to them as it were uh, but it's just I mean it's almost like they're finishing each other's sentences it's kind of yeah. creepy and kind of interesting how this rolls through here yeah it might be I mean we saw Horace use use the same you know that kind of almost scripted thing um, when he was disciplining Eidolon yeah and and his Mournival speaking along there with him and being free to speak but I'm just yeah. talking about how like one guy says a sentence and then the other guy it's almost like they're it's like one conversation coming out of two mouths. You know? Yeah, yeah I understand what you're saying, yeah. Which which is a good piece from Avnet to make them seem this one entity with multiple heads. Right. And, I, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It it, it really yeah. actually flows really well. Um, and I, it almost sounds like heresy. He can't do this. Are you suggesting the Emperor's plan is wrong? No, not in the slightest. You know, no, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying you can't achieve utopia. So that's our job is, to, yeah, chase it all you want. Our job is to make sure when things fall out of line to snap them back in line. Yeah. And so then um, they're asking how to uh, combat this Nerthine magic. Uh, we don't. We extinguish it. So... Yeah. yeah, he's got a plan. We can't stop it. We just cut it off. We turn it, you know, we can't fight it. So we just have to get rid of it. Yeah, and this could be the real Alpharius talking. It could be. It's got two blokes in here that are as taller, that are slightly taller than the others. <laughs> so let's so find if, out. If the pretend Alpharius is there, then the other one might be the real Alpharius. Yep. But I, yeah, I did like the, um, the the little philosophical chat there. Yeah, um, it's it you know it's it's some of what we talked about in previous book things. So, you know, Emperor's chasing this goal that it might not even be there. Right. So, they're they're holding these trays of food, and he needs to get in there. Grammaticus is 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 uh, masquerading as one of the one of the servants to bring food. But they're not getting him in there quick enough for him, so he makes an excuse to leave. I gotta take this food. We gotta keep it on the warmer. You don't want it to go bad. Yeah. So he excuses him, and he's outside the tent, listening outside the tent now. And uh, he hears them explaining chaos. And he's like, "Yeah, you have no idea what you're talking about," which is just great. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's got certainly a more informed opinion. Um, I wasn't like the uh, 
the the jumping through all the beams and all that. Um, seemed like awesome when you read it. It's like, yeah, this guy's doing his little cat burglar thing. And then um, when when the uh, when the other guy meets him, the the Lucifer in black, he pretends to be chained, doesn't he? And uh, yeah. long enough to to get the attack in, they have that cool little fight within the beams and trying not to get discovered and all that. But in the talk about Chain getting to that position, it talks about how awesome he is. And then the Luciferian Black just seems to kind of get there as well with not really an issue. Yeah. I found that a little bit funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the beams, when you first read it, it seems like really tight crisscross. And then, but when they're fighting, they're hitting, they're jumping, they're moving. Eh, maybe it's not as tight a crisscross as we first thought. Yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. It was read well, but. But on like the second reading, yeah, it was um oh this 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 um this this let's say this black guy he 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 wandered in there fine and it took all all of Grammaticus's effort to get in there. Um Yeah. And then when they're fighting I mean if it took all his effort just to get in there, if when they're fighting they should have tripped one off. Should have tripped one off, exactly. But it was a cool little fight, using his hands and jabbing him and breaking him and smashing him up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um it, it it is. It's a really grisly fight too. Um, yeah, you know, breaking just, arms, bruising, tearing things apart. Ugh. Shows how badass Grammaticus is. Yeah, he's he's not just a, a spy and intellectual anything like that. Yeah, it, um, he's a serious mofo. So he wins his battle, and then he just takes off for the desert. He's like, I got to get out of here at this point. This is bad. This has been blown. It's all gone wrong. Yeah, this has completely gotten screwed up. Uh, Shane, meanwhile, gets a, a signal, and he leaves because one of his guy's vital signs is gone. And so as he's running, all of a sudden, who shows up but Omegon? And he's all happy. Hey, what's going through? What's going on here? And he's walking through the sensors, and none of them are going off. Which is awesome. Yeah. That just shows you how, you know... They've they've got something which allows them to sneak around more than other Astartes probably have. Yeah, it's great. And Omegon looks, or Omegon looks, and he knows exactly what happened. He just looks at it. And he's like, "Okay, this is what happened." <laughs> yeah. Tell me, Shane, who do you know who could do something like this? Like you know, there's got to be some idea, and so there. Already, we're like, oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like it. I thought you Lucifers were meant to be tough. Yeah, I thought you guys were tough, dude. That's so offensive to them too. The guy's like, really? Yeah, he probably knew it. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, he knew. Yeah, he had to be totally doing that. So then, um, wait a minute, where is it? Where's the part I was looking at next? Oh yeah, so Sonica after the, after that is done. You know who do you know who could do this? No one, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Sonica is is hanging out with uh, Kaido Pius, and he really needs to see Bronzy. 
and Boone is watching them. All this stuff is going on. Or he's watching, at least he's watching Sonica. Uh, but now he wants to talk with him. So Sonica goes to go, you know, he was acting weird. And now he's hanging out with the guy who he found, who was the impersonator of the guy. So places at once, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Boone is just chasing his leads, trying to find out what's going on. And he sees him sitting there talking. He's like, I got to talk to this guy. You know, he was acting weird. Now he's with this guy. So he goes to talk to him. And they were pretty rude. I mean, you know, they were, you know, you're coming with us. We want to talk to you. He's trying to take a leak. They're kind of being very threatening of him. Yeah, but they are the, uh, they are the, the, you know, the military police, as it were. True, and under any other circumstance, he'd go with them. Except now, he thinks they're in on whatever it is that's got him going. Yeah, normally, I mean, they've got someone pretending to be one of their own hetman, you know, whichever one it is, and then they've got links to Sonica acting funny and talking about weird stuff and bronzy LinkedIn. And all this, so you know they're not going to take any chances. Right. And then on the other side of it, Sonica's like, "Are they on it? Are they in on it? Do they know about the body?" So he doesn't want to take any chances either. Yep. And so, um, basically, he beats up both of these guys and and takes off running. Uh, and Boone is shooting at him, and all of a sudden the speeder pulls up, and the door opens, and Bronzy's in it. Get in. And they take off. Which was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was, the, you know, the, the, the classic escape thing. You know, the car pulls up and the guy you've been looking for is like, let's go. Yep. And, then and they, you're just hoping that Bronzy's on his side at this point. Yes. Um, now, I like this. This just takes, chapter eight picks up right after this. And they're going, where are we going? To see friends. And here's where <laughs> it gets weird for Sonica. And I feel kind of bad for him. You know, basically, he's sitting there. He's like, this isn't right. No, she never got that call. I heard it. That body was returned to its makers. How do you know? You know, and he's like, I, I'm finding out. Now you're about to find out. And there's some guy named Tanner there. He's got this little Hydra tattoo. Bronzy's got a Hydra tattoo. And Sonic is like, oh, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> And he's yeah. right to be paranoid because seriously, these the I mean he hasn't seen him in it's just like you said, how do I know you're who you say you are at this point? When when the person who he thought he was they were talking to doesn't know anything about it and yeah, it's all gonna you know, all gonna head in a handbag. Yeah. But at least he knows now that she wasn't lying to him and she's not in a conspiracy, or at least that's what he's being told. Out, she doesn't know anything. What do you mean she doesn't? You, we never talked to her. I heard her. No, dude, you didn't. That's what I'm telling you. The <laughs> body was returned to its makers. So was that an Alpha Legion spy then, or something? You would have thought it was an operative. Yeah, I mean, you would have to assume. Yeah. So Sonic is freaking out. He thinks they're going to kill him. An Alpha Legionnaire shows up and says, "Listen, I'd rather." you get it, then have to kill you. You seem like, you know, Bronzy's speaking up for you, saying you're worth, you know, worth recruiting. So I'd much rather you work with us than have to kill you. <laughs> and uh, and he's obstinate. He still stays obstinate. He's like, no, nah, this is, 
this is not going right. And uh, what is it? Yeah, uh, I like. Um, I've no wish to kill you, but I will without compunction if you maintain this stance of resistance. Then stop lying to me, <laughs> Sonica moaned. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not Peto. What's your name, Alfarius? Soneko started to laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, you know, how, how can he believe anything that's going on here? I love it. You've had three or four pages of this, maybe more, and all you've got is more questions. Yeah, just doesn't stop. Even even once the um, legionnaire turns up, because you know, is this Alfarius? Blah 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 blah. Are there? Well, he tells him, I know for a fact Alpharius is in the Grand Pavilion with Namajira. You're lying to me, so you might as well kill me now and get it over with. And he starts just give me your blade. Give me your knife. Yeah, but you still don't know there's five Alpharuses walking around. Yeah. I know for a fact Alpharius is there. No, actually, I don't think you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, that's fantastic. Um but then you get to back to the meeting that's going on with Alpharius. Uh, I need your astropaths and the Geno 5 too to counter this chaos. So he explains chaos to Namajira. And Herzog and Peck describe how it's just basically a type of magic. Um, and you can see they've really got... Um, first of all, they've got a very rudimentary understanding of what chaos is. Yeah, but I love is how they explain it. They contradict themselves. They're still not giving him any information. No. It's not magic, says Herzog, and yet it is. It's the very quantity that mankind has called magic since the start of history. You know, what they mean is it's a primal power. You know, it's just like... Yeah, but but within that, you've got... Um, you know, will it corrupt us? Of course not. It's not some kind of plague... Um, psychers are our best defense against chaos. So that's a bit of information that wasn't necessarily known by other people we've seen in other books. So there's definitely a different information set that the Alpha Legion are aware of for whatever reason. Who knows why and how. Yeah. If we'll it get- subverts the minds and the will, it corrupts. You know, this is before... This is well before the uh, the whisper heads and all that. So, and then uh, so as they're talking about this, you know, I need these guys. I need the Gino Chiliad up in the front. What you know for what reason? They're rudimentary psychers. They'll be an event. So be it. I'm trusting you, Lord Primarch. I'm trusting you. Make a clean fist of this debacle. Yeah. So we got Alpharius supposedly making this blood oath to support Namajira. And now Namajira's holding it over to him and saying, I'm trusting you to make a clean fist of this debacle. Yep. So it's, um, it's worked well for the Alpha Legion. They've played the game. So, yeah. Shane shows up and starts whispering in, in Big N's ear, and he's like, I'm sorry, but I have to go. And Alpharius is like, oh, I've got to go too. Omegon has signaled me. So we got to go. So then, uh, you know, they leave, and as soon as they leave, they split up into the two parts, and it's, it's fantastic. Um, you get, uh, as soon as they leave, you know, did you get anything? No, but there's definitely a foreign agent here. A spy killed one of my men right outside the pavilion. You have my, yeah. Yeah. Just all that. Yeah. Have you covered anything on Rukshana? No. Blah, 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 blah. As you said, um, what did you you make? Yeah. What did you make of the Astartes, Dinas? 
every single one of them was lying. <laughs> yeah. It's just fantastic. It and then, and then to cap it all off on the way out, how was I? Asked the Astartes who had played the role of Alpharis all night. Imperial. Masterful. But then you do have a certain advantage, Omegon. Besides, I think you enjoy playing the part of Primarch. So Omegon wasn't Omegon. Omegon was Alpharius. So who's Omegon? Right. <laughs> so Sheed said Omegon, glancing at the Astartes who had worn the name Omegon. What's the story? So Sheed was Omegon. Omegon was playing Alpharius. Oh, these guys, I swear to God. Glancing at the Astartes who had worn the name Omegon. What's yeah. the story? He, oh no, he's the master of the Alpha's Terminator Elite and an especially large Astartes who doubled well for both Omegon and Lord Alpharius in diplomatic circumstances. Yeah, but we got, so Omegon's talking to Sheed. Yeah. So Ranko is him. Right. So we've got, we've got Sheed, Herzog, um, Peck. Peck. Yeah. So we've got them all lined up there. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> Are we aware? Well, and I like this. So Grammaticus was here trying to spy on him. Oh, he's good then. He's very good. But he's hurt. Busted up. I typed his blood. Got a match? Yes, Kenig Henniker. He's Grammaticus? I think so. He's slide. What are we waiting for? Where's Alpharius? Out in the dune waste, tidying up another loose end. So it was Alpharius. So this is possibly the first time in the book that we've got a clear ident on who Alpharius is and where he is. Because they're just talking to each other. Yes. The only, the only time they're actually honest is when they're alone and with each other. So we know Omegon was playing Alpharius. Someone else was playing Omegon. Omegon, Omegon, whatever. Um, and Alpharius was. So when, so he actually told Sonica the truth. <laughs> yeah. I'm Alpharius. You're all liars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, sorry, it's, it's a relief. We've had one answer to many, many, many questions. Yeah, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's brilliant though. It really is. It's, it's that was I laughed out loud at that part of the book. I literally was just like, "This is just great." Yeah. Finally, you hear somebody. He's at least we know Alpharius is there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, well, that would be a letdown, wouldn't it? If no, oh, he never actually turned up. <laughs> oh dear. So we just Maybe not fine. Yeah. Yeah, Grammaticus. You know. In bad shape. Yeah, chapter nine. He's beat up. He's hurt. He's alone. He's got all these little bolt holes set up just in case this happens. Yeah, I'm quite glad that he got to this point. It shows that he is human. You know, even mm-hmm. though he has these abilities, he's he's still human, and um, he's he, he is you know vulnerable. And not only that, but he knows that he is. He set this up in case this thing goes south. Yeah. In yeah. case and- this. Yeah. I mean, that could be the mission going south. That could be, his, yeah, you know, being in position like this, you know, this, this is probably one of the worst positions he thought he was going to end up in. <laughs> yeah. But he's realized that you know, maybe this was too much for him, this job. And so he's leaving. He's looking for a way to get out of Dodge. It's a failure. He's too exposed. He can't get back in there. And then the Eldar, Slow Da, why are you quitting? And they have this whole argument. He's like, no, you can't quit. You've got to get us to the Alpha Legion. Um, are you planning for us now, John Grammaticus? Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, it's just, it's great. The question was simple, but framed in the Eldar accusative form, it felt like a death threat. You know, we have two years. And he said, we have two years before this starts. 
That's all we've got. A decade maximum before it ends. This is our window. And, you know, you've never liked humans. Monkey. You're a weed species. Afterbirth runs. Tell me what you really think. You're a blight of the galaxy. I mean, God, they hate us. Yeah, oh, big time. Well, yeah, not all elder are the same, but yeah, there is a lot that does. I mean, serious. I mean, I, it's you know, once um, again, coming from a fantasy background, humans get along with a lot of these quote unquote good races, and here in this, it's just like, damn, they hate us. Oh yeah, yeah. I like it. You know what? Fuck you, you uptight Eldar bastard. Piss off and hide in whatever corner of the cosmos you deem safe. Leave me alone. Stop flecting up and abusing me. <laughs> And I'm like, what makes you think he was flecting? Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And he shows up and, gra- and grabs him by the neck. Yeah. And, yeah. You came yeah. here in person? Yeah. It's that important. And that, you know, it's funny because when he says it, that, that, like, that really hammered at home. Wait, you came here in person? Yes, we're here in person. So these guys who he probably never sees in person, you yeah, know, or very, rarely. Yeah, and they, they, they're the guys that sit in the, in the um, shadowy room around a table. Right, and so not only did he show up, I mean, and, and if he sees them, he goes, he is summoned to the shadow room. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, this isn't a, you know, he doesn't, they don't come to the place. So things are, are, are bad. And so they give them the whole thing. We've got two years. That's all we've got. If you do it wrong, the emperor's dead. Yeah. You know, um, and Horus becomes a monster to engulf all monsters. Yeah, um, not yet, but soon. So I, <clears throat> I like the fact that um, they've already, you know, they talk about they've already tried to coerce the Dark Angels into this plan. Yeah. <laughs> more than a century ago which to me makes it think it's about the time of descent of angels yeah which leads me to think that maybe it was the watchers in the dark watchers in the dark were trying to warn Nemiel about what was going on and what he might be facing so what if they were members of the cabal? Okay. And they were watching, because they've been watching all the different planets. They'd be watching that planet. They've been watching all the Astartes. Yeah, if they know they're going to go there. And does that fit the timeline? I mean, because the, the, the so, Dark Angels have been a legion for a lot longer than the... Than, yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, off the top of my head, about over 100 years would fit, yeah. Um, one of the first legion, one of the earlier... I think Legion's found, but even even so, about a hundred years, yeah, um, <clears throat> at the start of that. So it would make some sort of sense, I think. Interesting. So for whatever reasons that you know that that didn't work. And I like so, how they already know stuff with this. It's going to be called a heresy. Your emperor will die. He'll. You're sure? It's been far seen. He will die forever. And his yeah. eternal death is the one thing we wish to prevent. So he's dead on the throne, but still the body's dead, but the mind's... Whatever the hell you call the emperor at the, over the 10,000 years of being on the throne. Dying forever. That's 
I just I like that, that phrase stopped me for a second. I found it interesting. Um, yeah, and yeah, it has potential further down the line uh, to carry more weight. If you understand what I mean. Yes. Um, but the far yeah, it has been far seen. Anyone who plays forty k knows that Eldar have their psychers are called far seers. Yes. You know, they look into the future to work out, you know, divinate what the patterns of the future and what potentially could happen, um, all that kind of thing. Um, I like the fact that the Alpha Legion are young, so they haven't been kind of driven into the Imperium's way too much. Like All the other Legions are too set in their way. Exactly. You, you can't approach them. They, they're not flexible enough for it. I, I really like that. And the final thing of this, I mean, this is, you know, this is a, what, a page and a, two and a half pages. It's quite a lot in this little section. Yeah. Uh, I like the line. I can't seem to find it. It might have been in a little bit before. Um, he even let the, uh, the, 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 the autark, uh, even let the cabal into the black library. Yeah. I was just, yeah, I had that, I had that paragraph mark as well. So they could read this truth. Yes, um, for those who don't know, the Black Library is a top, top secret hidden in the Eldar webways, um, protected by the Harlequins who follow their own kind of, you know, aspects of the Eldar gods. And essentially, if you go into the Black Library, you're dead, um, unless you've been invited. There's not many that have got in there and got out. He broke it's, all the ancient edicts to make it happen. It is yeah, predetermined. Yeah, the, the Black Library is, is something special. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things being being kind of gambled here and broken and changed. You know, okay, once again, coming from my point of view, yeah. as a guy who played fantasy and then I just played the game and then I heard about, you know, you hear about Forge World and then, you know, they got these books and they're published by Black Library and I'm like, Ooh, Black Library. You know, I used to play those White Wolf games, you know, Vampire and all that stuff. Sure. And they had their more adult series of books with the stuff that wasn't made necessarily for kids called the Black Dog Library. Right. From the White Wolf, they had Black Dog Publishing, which is the stuff that got a little more into the evil side of it, stuff yeah. that maybe the kids shouldn't be playing. So when they had Black Library, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Then I start reading this. They're not even just this book. Oh, the Black Library. I'm like, uh-huh, they're clever. I like where they got the name from. Well, I'm sure there must be a, a black library in history somewhere. Oh, there could be, but I just like the idea that, you know, the, the receptacle place of all knowledge and all the stories where we have all this hidden information is their publishing company with all the stories and all the information. Yeah, yeah, they have, they, they, again, that's something GW do quite a lot. Sure, and I mean, I know everyone who's listening, I was rolling their eyes, being, yeah, duh, I'm not, I'm not saying i discovered this i'm saying the first time i heard of the black library when i was reading the fiction i went oh cute and it's yeah it is and it's um it's easy to forget kind of the links as well you get so used to the black library yeah and and it's not something that's written about a huge amount the the eldar black library so no. um, so yeah it is in books in places but so, so now i do yeah. like this um this is, this is too important. And he's like, why? Well, we chose Nerth as an ideal opportunity to demonstrate the effects of the primordial annihilator to Alpha. We knew this place was corrupt. We bring him here. We show him that it's corrupt. We show him what we know as an example. Maybe it's too good of an example. I don't get it. What's wrong? They have a black cube. Da, da, da. 
Agreed. What's a black cube? I don't know. <laughs> it's just like I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now I'm all excited. Okay, what? 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 There's a black cube. Okay. Um. All right, so let's do chapter ten here. We got time for one more. I think this is going kind of long, but I want to get through this one. Um, I think this one we're going to take a little bit out of order because this is where it starts jumping back and forth. Sure. This particular chapter has two things going on and jumps back and forth. I think it'll be easier if we just sort of roll with the one part. Um, Honan Mu is going to a morning briefing. Okay. Uh, the Nur thing have been testing their defenses. So, you know, they've been attacks and little things, but nothing really stuff. There's rumors about the Lucifer Black's been killed. You know, they hear that there's been, that really, there is a full purge going on. They know there's a spy. This is bad. These guys have full access to everything now, all records, all data. Anything they don't like, can, they can, they're going to kill. Yes. You know, there is no, we know there's something bad here. I am willing to cut off the whole hand to get the finger. And, yeah. yeah. I know. It's around. So, Honan moves like, we've got to clean out the house on the Geno 5-2 before... Because as the, and we've already shown when he executed that whole group for letting him through, uh, Big N might decide to just wipe out the entire Geno Five Two as an example of if you guys have a spy in your ranks and you can't handle it, I'll handle it for you. So yeah. she goes to see Boone and she's like, he wants to know. Now he she goes to talk to Boone. He's like, I want to know how Rukshana. And uh, this affair, this thing, how this connects to Sonica. And he's like, Sonica ran from us. Bronzy's missing. There's crap going on, and I want to know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, you don't have to worry about that. And he's like, no, BS. There's, I, no. And so she takes him, and there's Bronzy and Sonica there. And he's, like, ready to arrest them, you know, pulling the gun. Yeah. Um, and then I love it. I, God, there's... You know, every time and any time Bronzy's lying, I just I love him because he's just so good at it. He's just oh yeah, yeah, it's just a lifetime of of white lies and yeah, manipulating the truth and things. But that comes up a little bit later when him and Sonica. Sonica is a straight arrow, and Bronzy is so not. So when they're both recruited by Alpha Legion, it's it's just interesting how the two of them react to what they have to do. Yeah, you know, Sonica sitting there. I'm sorry. Listen, I got these. Pa- Listen, I went to the doctor. I got post traumatic stress syndrome. What I mean, that's basically what he's saying. Yeah, you know. Well, where have you been? Look, I went to find him, and you know, he ran. I went and found him and brought him back here. I'm his friend. I didn't want to see him get in trouble. Everybody's got their little story. Everything's in a tight little bow. I'm certain this this whole lie was given to them by Alfarius. Oh yeah, you yeah. would have thought so. Yeah. Um, the papers they were given and everything. Yeah, and then they're like, you know what? We'll go find out what happened with Rooks. We'll find out for you. Just, you know, just to prove that we're all... And I think it was, just give us a day or two, said Bronzy. We'll report back and give you everything we found. Boone looked at Uxor Moo. I don't trust either of them. I trust them with my life, Moo said. They're two of my best hats. Let them loose, Franco. They'll find the canker in our mist. If they play us for fools, I'll kill them myself. She would, said Sonica. She really would. Bronzy agreed. <laughs> They're just playing it out the whole time. I mean, but I, also, I mean, she would. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think that's where Sonic is. That's one time, or, or not Sonic, where, um, where uh, Bronzy, <laughs> this is one time he is telling truth. yeah, dude, she would. And I think she'd enjoy killing me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so Boone leaves, and, and she's like, no, you guys need to fix this and get it done now. And you know, and then Bronzy and Sonica, dude, Pius is fine. I don't know what his problem is with Pius or Pius, whatever the hell. Yeah. Um, but he's totally fine. We'll go check on Roxana. And that's when she tells uh, Sonica, "You're going to be in charge of the you and what's left of your dancers are going to be in charge of the clowns because uh, what's his name is dead, yeah. and we and- can't leave it in charge of fucking Strabo. And fucking Strabo comes back again." <laughs> Yeah, I just yeah. love it. Everybody calls him that. He gets this job. He gets put in charge when his, when his boss is hurt, and I mean, everyone says you know he's barely getting the job done. So he, this becomes like his name. It's like this becomes his moniker, fucking Strabo. And they're like, "You think we fooled him? I think so." I'm not working against the Gino, and he's like, "Okay, I agree." So they go get her. Yeah, but, but before you move on, okay. um, that's something that's come up, particularly here, you know, seeing it written down in front of me. Company first, Imperium second, Gino before Gene. Yeah. You know, that's something we've talked about a number of times with the Legions um, when, you know, it's when they put their Primarch before the, the Emperor in in their chats and, and down here, you know. Um, I'm not prepared to count that anything that betrays the Gino. So, at this point, when I'm reading that, I'm starting to worry that, you know, how far are they going to go? Yo, that's a good point, because everyone who... Head of the Imperium, what are they prepared to let by to save face or to make sure that the Chiliad isn't broken up, etc., etc.? That's true. You know, I hadn't even thought about that, because everybody in in the first books, everybody who chose Legion over Emperor became a traitor. Yeah, and here they're they're taking, you know, Gino before Gene. I like that. You know, my company before my own relatives. You know, I mean, it, you, you know, you say that. You know, you know, God, core, family type of thing. You know. Yeah, but it's, um, it's just oh. a case of of how how strict is that? Is that just the what they say, or is it? And does it have a stronger meaning? Well, and for for these two, it has a very different meaning for both of them, I think, and it actually shows up a little later. Indeed. Um, and so they go to get Rukshana, and they tell, "Oh, we got to clear up paperwork. I got put in charge of this. I don't think I'm supposed to be." So as she's walking with him, she realizes something's wrong, and she knows that they're not being honest with her, and she sees the blacks heading towards her. Her, uh, her headquarters, her you know, her living area, wherever her quarters, and she's like, "Well, maybe I should go see him." And they grab her by the arms, are like, uh, "No." <laughs> and now she knows something's wrong, and so of course they got to say something to her, right? So what do they tell her? Koenig Henniker sent us. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. So we got to go. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they, you see, they've been given that as their kind of last resort. Uh huh. Yeah. Here's the information you need. Here's like the levels of it. So, but, and while they're doing that, that's when, and I like when they cut back to Chain and he's meditating and going over the things. Yeah. And he figures it all out. The best cover. How would a spy, how would he be here this long? How would a spy have good, 
the best cover for a spy would be a spy. And that Rakshana girl was lying about, oh, I got it. It's Koenig Henniker. And he opens, and then the door knocks. And he gets himself dressed and opens the door. We we figured it out. It's Henniker. How'd you figure it out? Just shut up, let's go. It's like, <laughs> he literally figured it out only like 30 seconds earlier. But when they show up, he, all he, hey, I figured it out. Yeah. And at that point, he gets, you know, he's, he's certain of himself. He's like, yeah, it all works. It all fits. But there's still, he's still putting pieces together. And then it's like that confirmation comes in. And he's like, yeah, well, I didn't really need it because I know how good I am. Yeah. And so yeah. they go to her room. And this is where they start roughhousing. They're like, we don't know where they are. And he's, they're grabbing the girls by the next listen. You tell us who they left with and why they left. And I want to know right now. He's, he is not... There is there's there's no time for games anymore with this guy. Oh no, no, he's cleaning house, and you, there's no. And of course, she says, oh, "I think he left with Sonica." Okay. <laughs> so now he's after them. Now I love when they leave on this scurrier. This is fantastic. They leave on a scurrier, which apparently is like a big spider walker. Is what it sounds like. Like an ATMT. Yeah. Or- yeah. But it's got multiple legs, so it's not, yeah. No, an all-terrain mountain. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought you were talking, making a Star Wars reference, an AT-AT. Yeah, it's, it's an ATMT. Okay, right. The ones in the extended universe that are like spiders for going over rough terrain. Right, right. He wouldn't be able to. Um, he's got a blank key, so he won't because they know they're already looking for him, so they can't use their own keys. So Bronzy's got a blank key. Puts it in there. They get it. They get where they're going. As they're getting there, Roxana realizes, you're not taking me to see. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, uh-oh. Oh, dear. And she realizes she's in trouble, and she's in the, the dead type of trouble. Yeah. Um, and they leave her with the Alpha Legion. They're like, just, sweetheart, just tell them the truth, and don't worry about it. Which is, you know, uh, you know, yeah, you absolutely should worry about it. But they take her and they leave her with there. Um, and the Alpha Legion guys say to Bronzy, listen, just stick to the story and you'll be fine. And uh, Sonica, uh, once again, doesn't he doesn't like this. He doesn't like leaving her. He feels like he's betraying the Geno by handing her over to these guys. Yeah. You know, they're making all the people that uh, have any information disappear. <laughs> I love it. Um, will she be all right? Sonica asks. Of course. The Astarte said his voice deep. She's with us. That's not what I was asking, Sonico said. Will we be all right, Bronzy asked, looking up at the giant. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just, you know, just not sure at all. But, and, and once yeah. again... For different reasons. Sonico's uncomfortable, and Bronzy's just worried about, you know, kind of how they're going to yeah. move on, get on with things. Scary bastards, right? You know, something on your mind? No, you don't like this, do you? Of course I don't. It's just he—he he is not dealing with any of this spy stuff well at all. Very no, it's, straight-laced. It's not his character, is it? Now I love this part though, and this is once again, this is why I love Bronzy. They get in the scurrier. As they get close, the, the you know the, the the cops are everywhere. Yeah. Stop! We got you on weapons lock. Get out on the deck now! And I'm like, oh, how are they going to get? And I'm reading this. How are they going to get out of this? They unlock the hatch. They fall down. They got their hands behind. They're like, get up. They're standing there with their hands behind their heads. Hurtado Bronzi and Het Pedosonica. Yeah, you're under arrest. 
Is this about Uksa Rakshana? Of course it is. Then can you tell me just where the fuck she's gone? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It, is, it just shows you the best way to lie. Yeah. Utter, utter confidence in what you're doing and people will buy it. I love it. Is this about her? Yeah, because you stole her. Yeah, no, I didn't steal. I'd like to know where she is too. This is fantastic. Yeah. This is just This is beautiful. Um. It's just so good. It's great. And this is when this chapter ended. This is where I had to read the next chapter right away. I wasn't even stopping to take notes, to backtrack and take notes. Yeah, I had a few moments like this in the book, actually. Yeah, I got to know how he talks his way out of this. (laughs) But we're not going to know until next time because we're hitting the time limit here for this book. We're hitting the halfway mark, and I think it's time to say goodbye to all our friends and kin here. This book is great so far. I am really enjoying it. Um, Like I said, once I got past that first 20 pages, I just started plowing through this, you know, because I was having a good time with it. So I guess that's it. I mean, we're stopping right in the middle of the book. It's a good stopping place. So, folks, we will be back. Um we won't be back in as long a time because, once again, I've actually finished the book. So <laughs> I have my notes. So um, we'll be back in a few weeks with the second half of Legion. And um, we'll find out what is going on with all this nonsense. The screaming, the dragon, and where the fug Rukshana has gotten to. And who is fucking Strabo? Who is <laughs> fucking Strabo? He'll finally show up, exactly. Uh, Greg, um, talk to you in a few weeks, I guess, brother. Indeed. And um, meanwhile, guys, if you listen to anything else, Imperial Truth is going to be talking more pure 30K. If you're you're looking for 30K, that's where to look. If you're looking for 30K um, chat, gaming, and books, um, please be aware we'd have a you know, much different kind of view on how we do spoilers on the Imperial Truth. Yeah, so. I got to be careful when I'm listening to you guys. I noticed yeah. that because you guys just talk about. I mean, n- nothing's off the table because you're just assuming these yeah, are people who are up to it. The latest few books we don't tend to touch, like you know, but um, but it is it's a generic 30k podcast. So yeah, we, well, it's we, not we, generic. It's very but, special. It's very special. It's the only one. uh, (laughs) Hey, if you need your fantasy fix or if you're fantasy curious, Garage Hammer, we're talking about Nagash for the next couple of episodes if you heard about that big release. Yeah, if you want some big fluff, uh, it's all in Nagash. In fact, the next two episodes are basically going to be what we do here, except doing it for the fantasy side. So, All right, so folks, until next time. The Emperor protects Death to the Force Emperor. Congratulations on completing another episode of After Eleanor. David and Greg would love you to come and chat some more about the Horus Heresy in the forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or on the Facebook page. Just search for After Eleanor. You can email us if you wish at greg at garagehammer.net or david at garagehammer.net. Finally, you can catch us on Twitter at After Eleanor, at Child of Fang for Greg, and at Garage Hammer for David. If you'd like to support the show, you can visit the support page on the main website at garagehammer.net 
and you can leave a positive review on iTunes. In addition, you can tell all your friends to come and join the community. Many thanks for listening, and until the next episode, may the Emperor protect you.